0: This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus.
1: Hey, what's up everyone? Happy Thursday to you all and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Huss and Ream with you for the next couple hours. Lots to get to. Uh, we are two days away from kickoff. West final, Bombers and Lions can't get through game week without bringing on our pal Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports. Bombers going to jump on the program. Coming up in about 20 minutes or so, closed practice today for the Bombers, so no significant updates. So uh, we just got to talk about the game, pros and cons on both sides, pass to victory, and get Bombing's thoughts on it. Looking forward to that coming up first up, and then a little later on, Marat Atesh of The Athletic. Lots to get to from uh, a pretty good week for the Winnipeg Jets and certainly uh, a lot of intrigue as to this first matchup in Winnipeg between the Jets and the Nashville Predators this season. So we'll chop it up with uh, Marat, and then uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little Jets, a little Bombers and more with Brandon Rewicki who will uh, finish up our lineup of guests for today. Um, going to be fun. We've got an update on Gabriel Velarde. A very important Winnipeg birthday to mention. A small change on the fourth line. And uh, see if the Jets can get to three in a row to kick off this homestand tonight. 7 o'clock downtown at Canada Life Centre. Tickets still available. And don't forget, first 5,000 fans. As, uh, it's a little moose night tonight celebrating the uh, pipeline to the big club First 5,000 fans at the game tonight receive a moose pennant featuring Kyle Connor, Cole Perfetti, and Josh Morrissey, who all cut their teeth with the moose before coming regular members of the Winnipeg Jets. All right, just before we get Remus in here and get this show on the road, let's give out a big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Our friends at Coolbet just finished the lock shop with Dusty and Patty. We'll be cranking out a big NFL Best Bet show tomorrow at noon on Edmonton Sports Talk. If you want to join us before WST over on YouTube. Of course, our friends at Princess Auto. Don't forget, 3 p.m. or 3.30 p.m. The doors open for the Princess Auto tailgate before the game. Um, the gang at uh, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Winnipeg Jets, Nick and Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace. Vita Health, Fresh Market, Canadian Club Whiskey, Manitoba Battery, Aqua Tech, and happy November to you all from our friends at Modern Man Barbershop. And uh, we will get to a why not question of the day as well, focusing in on the West Final for not Autocorp, but Waverly and McGillivray. But let's get Remus in here and get this show on the road. What's going on?
2: I'm fired up. This is a busy, uh, busy week for Winnipeg sports. Uh, you know, I've seen our download numbers. Uh, Go up a bit more. The last couple days, a lot of intrigue about the Bombers in the Western Final on Saturday. But also, hey, these Winnipeg Jets, they're looking pretty good, especially when you compare them to what's going on in Edmonton and Calgary. And a big homestand here. We've been talking about it for a while. Five games, a couple big divisional battles. And who will get to see New Jersey, Stanley Cup contender? A lot of people are saying. Although we'll see about uh, Jack Hughes' status when we get to next week. But a uh, big one tonight. Jets hosting Nashville. And we're also counting down until uh, until the Western final. You're laughing that I brought up Edmonton, San Jose. That's the real game. Everyone no, watching tonight. No, that is.
1: That is. I'm laughing because I'm just sitting here looking at you and thinking like, A, I wonder what hat he's wearing. And B, should we get a special hat that actually has Winnipeg Sports Talk under, underneath of the brim no. Because of the bizarre way you wear hats,
2: I don't actually like when stuff's on the underbill, So no, I probably wouldn't wear it. I'll just like, like that. It's a Winnipeg Sports stock hat, but I have like no one bo- would ever know it up. <laughs> I don't know. Why well, do Question of the day
1: yeah. in the chat: Is this am I is this strange on my end, or is it strange on Remus's end for the way that he's That's wearing just... this hat? Let us know in the chat right now. Podcast and listeners, it. you'll you'll have to you'll have well, to check you gotta it out. See my, oh, it is
2: a Winnipeg sports talk. Yeah, app. yeah. You got to see my face. You got to see my face here. So <laughs> it goes up like this. I can't like have it pulled down here. And then there's shadow. It's lighting.
1: Oh, so, okay. It's it's a lighting thing. It's a lighting thing for the yeah. Uh, it's a lighting thing <laughs> Sorry. All. Um, But anyways, not to get distracted. Um, you are uh, exactly right. There's a big game tonight, and is it is a wild night in the NHL. We were just chopping it up in the lock shop trying to figure out. What we're going to do for a little three gamer tonight and i can tell you just before we focus in on the jets i can tell you that the angst levels in edmonton after talking to dusty are so maxed out right now now everybody there is expecting them to win by multiple goals tonight i mean four or five dusty's put together some crazy edmonton sports talk parlay where just about everyone's getting in on it tonight And he thinks that that might be able to cash in the first period. That's the way the Oilers are going to come out tonight. Um, And, of course, the question is, who's going to start a net, too? Do you go with Pickard, who just got called up? Do you ride with Stewie Skins? Uh, Jack Campbell's not there. Um, So that's going to be very interesting to kind of follow along um, or basically tune into after we finish up with the Jets and the Predators and I did joke, this was maybe a bit of a cheap shot because we, were, we spent a lot, lot of time kind of laughing about how brutal the Thursday night football matchup is between the Bears and the Panthers. And I did say that the NHL is getting into it with their version of the Bears and Panthers, the Oilers and Sharks tonight. <laughs> Some of the Edmontonians in the mm. chat did not appreciate that one. But hey, when it's a ma- battle of 31 and 32 overall in the league... There's going to be the odd barb. Um, That being said, Jets far from there right now, feeling good coming into this game. Uh, We'll hear from Coach Scott Arneal in a few moments, uh, as well as Nito Niederreiter on his old team. Um, But Remo, uh, we've got some news that won't really pertain to the game tonight, but definitely some good news for the Winnipeg Jets, and that is a Gabriel Velarde sighting on the ice, skating today back on the ice for the first time now with a brace for his knee that apparently they'd been waiting for.
2: Yeah, this was uh, surprising. He did go on the Vegas trip. I don't know if it was just to be go out with the boys in the sun, a little golf, Vegas, Arizona. Mike McIntyre gave a nice rundown of their whole schedule uh, last week. But, yes, uh, that was the news today. Uh, Scott O'Neill, Jets uh, associate coach, saying Gabe Velarde skated on his own for the first time since suffering a sprained MCL. 23 days ago Uh, and and yes he was was waiting on a break so I showed it to Mike McIntyre uh, and everyone for the for the tweets but he was injured October 17 four to six week timeline so we've we're approaching four weeks here us it's November 9 and maybe he could I'm sure it'll be six six weeks but I mean this is a good step no setbacks it's going according to plan and Pretty soon, we will discuss where is Villardi going to fit when he comes back. I can't wait for that.
1: Hey, I mean, I remember we were sitting there, and I mean, really, that's the one kind of really dark night of the season so far. Thank God we had our own support group with the great crew of WSTers that are with us on the Winnipeg uh, Sports Talk Pack at our first game. But I remember we were sitting there in the third period, and – I mean, starting to wonder, oh, my God, what happens to this team without Villardi He's been su- he's been such an amazing addition playing on that top line. Um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty as how the second line was going to go. I don't think anyone could have expected how the Lowry line has carried te- uh, the team at times, as well as the contributions of the fourth line. And it was like, can they survive the next extended period without Villardi and I mean, we found out in the in the coming days it was four to six weeks. I, I think we all agree that based on what we saw that night, that was about best case scenario. But fast forward to now, I mean, this team is getting contributions from everybody up front, one to twelve. And you're right. I mean, when Gabriel Velarde comes in, obviously he's going right back into the lineup, and I would assume he would be back with Shafley and Connor. But even that, you might th- you might double you might think twice about after Alex Iofalo put up four assists in a breakout game for that line last night. So um, you know, in a way, I mean, things can go in two different ways when important players get hurt. Um, it can kill a team for a while, or it can actually provide opportunity for other players that take advantage of it. And I think we can certainly say that's been the case in Winnipeg. And that's a great spot for the staff to be in. And 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 the other thing is, is that, um, you know, unlike a team like the Oilers, for instance, who have to get wins, have to get on a run right now, um, or else they're really going to put their entire season in peril. Like, I don't want to say the Winnipeg Jets have a luxury of kind of, but, but I mean, they don't need to rush him back at all. They'll wait for him to be 100% healthy, ready to go, and then get him into the lineup. So, um, you know, it's a credit to the guys that have been playing in, in his spot. And, you know, maybe this is a perfect transition to the slight change that we saw today in the lines. With David Gustafson moving into the middle of the fourth line, Erasmus Kapari moving to the wing. Of course, Gus has been the guy that got into the lineup when Velarde was injured. Um, and I have to tell you, Remus, he has played the best hockey of his NHL career. He's scored a couple goals. But he's been a huge part of the effectiveness. Of that fourth line. And um tell you what. It's going to be tough to put Gus in the press box. If you ask me. Um, that being said. If you've got 13 really good players. And you can only ice 12 of them. There is going to be a tough decision. But Gustafson to his credit. Has made it that much more difficult. For the coaching staff to take him out of the lineup. And the fact that he is at the top of the. Face-off success list on this team, I think a bit of a part of the reason, at least, that uh, he was moved into the middle.
2: Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, the Oilers. This kind of applies to the Jets too. I'll just go off something you said. Elliot Friedman wrote today in Thirty Two Thoughts us that at November one, since the set in this during the salary cap era, only nine of sixty six teams were four points out of the playoffs. Uh, games after that date have reached the pl- have reached the postseason. Uh, so last year that group went over four. So you know for the Jets, you know being in the playoffs, I think that's that's where you want to be on November one because like you got three point games and all this stuff. It's really hard to gain ground, which is you know after twelve games that's tough to say. But yeah, you're looking at the Jets face off on the line change: Gustafson going to center and Kupari going to the wing. Yes, Gustafson leading the Jets in face off win percentage, you know how much emphasis they put on faceoffs offs in the defensive zone, and he's at 54%, and he's got two goals in nine games, two points. Um, you know, cup's funny, a Perfetti assisting on both of those goals, and they don't even play on the same line, but uh, what he's averaging almost nine minutes of ice time a game, making it difficult, but I would have met, you know, maybe Kupari's the guy who comes out then if uh, they're going to keep Gus at center, but I think that's a, a couple weeks away, but it is Fun to sit here and speculate because, like, you know, other teams, they're going through, oh, they're trying this guy with this guy on lines. Like, you're looking at Toronto, oh, who's playing with Marner and Matthews, who's coming in, who's coming out. It's, Can they the Jets, even put the fourth line on the ice? Yeah. With the Jets, us, I mean, it's been the same lines for, like, two weeks. We've had nothing to talk about. Oh, this is the <laughs> one change. Oh, Sin and Kupari, they're swapping sides. You haven't really had much to talk about. Uh, for a while. So I guess it must be going pretty well then if you're not changing the lines.
1: No, it, um, you know, absolutely. I mean, uh, everyone's been contributing. And, uh, hey, listen, I mean, Gus is a professional. They all are. I mean, you know, they'll have to ha- handle it the way the coaches uh, d- determine it. I see SK saying, leave the top line alone. Put Vellardi in on line two. That is the one look that we haven't seen, potentially Vellardi playing center with the likes of Perfetti and, and, uh, and Ehlers. Um, and then all of a sudden it's Vlad Nemetsnikov that, you know, you fit in somewhere in that bottom six and uh, make the uh, make the requisite uh, changes to go along with that. No changes on the blue line, no surprise uh, after the way the team played against St. Louis. However, there is one lineup change tonight, and that is the return to the blue paint of Lauren Bressois. And I'll say this, Reem, I think this is a massive game for Brissois, um, in that he... I mean the first game against Vegas I you know I'll I'll give him a bit of a pass on that one um you know it wasn't it wasn't a great game um for for him the team was pretty good against special teams sort of bit them um but the Montreal game that he played a couple weeks back I thought that he was really fighting the puck I mean it seemed like it would hit him and he didn't know where it was there were some iffy rebounds um, and obviously, I, listen, I'm not going to blame him for losing in the shootout because there was three of the poorest shootout attempts we've seen from a Jets club in the shootout in a long time. Um, but it just didn't instill a lot of confidence. Um, this is a real important game, not only for the Jets to come out at home and uh, beat a divisional opponent and to continue to push forward in the right direction, um, but I think just for Loren Brassois, I mean, these starts are not going to be frequent so you got to make the most of them and uh, i think just for him to get back into a real confident headspace um would love to see a real strong first period right out of the gate for broisois um, and a strong game and most importantly get two points for his team when they need it
2: yeah i'm kind of waiting for this jets goaltending to go back to you know more like career averages cuz you look at broisois numbers um 873 save percentage 338 goals against and you know with the Winnipeg Jets uh 2021 what he had 91.8 save percentage 242 goals against last year with Vegas no i mean you're behind a different team so you know different numbers and, and short sample 217 goals against 927 save percentage and even just as a whole like you look at the Jets um Jets stats this year among the rest of the league i was very surprised to see them um the 13th most Goals against. I guess they will go in the other, going the twentieth in the league. And when you have Connor Hellebuck, who's a Vesna Trophy winner, um, you'd think, you know, that would get be down. We haven't seen him, you know, have those huge games here. Like three, they're averaging three point three three goals against per game. I think a part of that too is the penalty kill has just been so poor after being uh, pretty solid last year. And I wonder if we start to see that normalize here. As well, the we numbers
1: on. get so skewed. I mean, like the guy's yes. played six periods, so oh, I mean, let's, yeah. not, let's not over let's not you know uh, overreact. Um, if he comes out and you know has a great game tonight, that will quickly get closer to normal numbers. And uh, after a couple other games, we'll be talking about where Lebron Brassois uh, normally is. Um, as far as the goaltending matchup goes tonight, Brassois is confirmed. UC Saros not confirmed right now. Um, you know, he, I, that's, that's the one player. I mean, when we talk and we'll get more into Nashville, um, when we get to tonight's game with Marat and with Brandon a little bit later on, Reem, and I don't think that they're the team that we sort of probably remember over the last number of years. I mean, they made all those trades, including the one, including Niederreiter at the end of the season to, uh, to the Jets. Um, but UC Soros is still, I mean, he's their hellebuck. And he is a guy that no matter what is happening in front of him, no matter who is in the lineup, uh, no matter how well their team is playing, he can just damn well go and win games on his own. So, I mean, if Soros is in the challenge of getting to him and, frankly, doing what they've done a lot better in the last few games, getting some traffic in front of the net and making, not making things easy for the other goaltender... I think is going to be uh, going to be very key because as we all know, when Soros is in the net, nothing comes
2: easy to the other side. Yeah. i have the line here. And this is a bit of a different looking line lineup. And uh, you know, I put Soros unconfirmed. We don't hundred percent know, but like they still have Philip Forsberg at the top, but I mean this team has like, and Roman Yossi, but who are uh, some of these guys? We did get a look at Tommy Novak and, Uh, Luke Evangelista at the end of last year, who were very strong.
1: He was awesome. That Evangelista in particular stood out big time in those games. It almost looked like after they traded a bunch of those players, they got better. But it's one thing to put in a bunch of young guys at the end of the season. They're showing what they can do. They're all fired up. It's another thing to do it for 82 games. And I think the Preds are sort of finding out that new reality is not going to be a quick turnaround that maybe many expected or at least hoped for after last night. But, yeah, Novak and Evangelista; and these guys are right into top six roles in the NHL.
2: Yeah, and I remember we were talking to Daniel Fink about how, you know, uh, the Predators were basically the Milwaukee Admirals uh, at yep. the end of last season. And they did sign Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, it's funny. You see Toronto having all these sh- troubles. I'm like, oh, yeah, O'Reilly uh, didn't sign with them and signed with, uh, signed with Nashville. Uh, and Gus Nyquist at the top. And, I mean, who Drainin, Sissons, and Parson in third line. Fouty, McCarran, Smith there, fourth line. They got Yossi, Dante, Fabro, Jeremy Lozon, Alexander Carrier, Del Gazo, and Tyson Berry, who they got in the Eckholm trade. He's third pair. D, I mean, so this team... Who Forsberg? He leads their team. He's got 12 and 12. O'Reilly 11 and 12. Tommy Novak he's got uh, 10 and 12. And there's Yossi Evangelista. They got eight, eight and 12. Those guys are going to be leading the team. And uh, you know they had some tight games last year. So I'm still expecting it to be a big division battle. But uh, the Jets got to keep beating these teams who are below them in the standings. And they certainly did that against St. Louis and Arizona. And this is a good opportunity to keep it rolling. However, has I don't know what you think. First game back. After a long, I mean, we haven't really talked about time zones. They just played uh, three games straight and three. No, different we haven't. Time zones. We never will talk ne- about time zones. We never talked you bring about it up. that. And now we're not talking about oh, first game back after a long road trip. Usually doesn't go. I, I'm sure they'll be. They'll be fine.
1: Hey, this is a, a huge, huge week. Um, early in the season in the division, and listen, the club's taking care of business. It wasn't a pretty start against Arizona. But they came back and got that win and uh, moved forward and built off that win with a real strong, I'm going to say, 52 minutes <laughs> against the Blues after sort of an iffy start. Um, but now they're back at home. And you want to keep this uh, momentum rolling into a huge game against the Dallas Stars. As you can see up on the screen here, the records right now, Jets 6-4-2. And the Preds, 5-7. and Both teams having played 10 games on the season. Jets with a four-point cushion on Nashville. Um, Certainly the Jets have been scoring more this season. They've also been giving up more. 3.42 goals for a game, 3.33 against. So at least on the positive side of the ledger again, um, Nashville, 2.834 and three goals against per game. Uh, An advantage on the power play for the Nashville Predators at 22 and a half percent to the Jets, improving 17.8. Um, but man, I, I'll be honest, considering how many power play goals the Jets have given up this year. Surprising to see the Jets actually have a slight lead in the PK ream um, coming off a clean sheet on the power play or on the PK last game against the St. Louis blues. And a big part of that. I mean, listen, 70% is an ugly number. 69.2% is an ugly number. But the way certain teams were rolling with the power play early on in the season, I think we're going to see a lot of these really ugly penalty kill numbers gradually improve, much like we just talked about some of those goaltending numbers from the first couple games of the
2: season. Yeah, I'm just, I am just—I pulled those numbers from NHL.com. They have the Jets at 29th in penalty kill. And then there's, as you mentioned, Nashville right behind them in thirtieth, and the Jets power play, it was a big topic today after the skate. It's been good. Uh you know, after what going four games or it was a five game without scoring, uh, they've scored in the last couple and including what two against St. Louis, uh, you know, big one against Arizona as well, and they got one against Vegas. So power play is starting to heat up a little and good opportunity tonight against the thirtieth ranked <laughs> penalty kill in the NHL.
1: You know what, we'll hang on. We've got a little Nino Niederreiter for you, and we will have uh, what the coach, uh, interim head coach, Scott O'Neill, had to say. Uh, we'll have that a little bit later on. Uh, a couple things to get to right off the bat. First off, we need to give a big happy birthday to Winnipeg's own legendary Chris Jericho, who uh, I want to say is 52 today, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, Jericho is, uh, is celebrating a birthday. And I know this had been mentioned in chat a couple times, but I actually finally got a chance to see it last night for the first time. Tweeted it out. Um, we've Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, two of the biggest Winnipeg exports in the world when it comes to sports, entertainment. I mean, um, both of them known around the world. Stars in AEW Wrestling. Uh, are now in a tag team and that tag team is called the Golden Jets. And uh Jericho, of course, we've seen him pump the crowd up at times at Canada Life Center, Kenny Omega as well in and around the AEW. Um these guys hold their Winnipeg ties very close to their heart and uh I saw them for the first time, I guess they're getting ready to go at it against their old pals the Young Bucks at uh, the big AEW pay-per-view coming up in a few weeks. But man, is it cool to see those two Winnipeg legends doing it together? And uh, I mean, right out, we know why they're we know why they're together. They're both Winnipeg guys. And uh, I tweeted that out last night, Remo, and even got an RT from the birthday boy, Chris Jericho himself.
2: Yeah, Jericho, born in nineteen seventy, uh, so today turning fifty-three. And you were, 53. you you told me yesterday you got the retweet from Jericho. Very cool. Uh, you know that he. Supports the Winnipeg sports team and, you know, where's Winnipeg? I think he's got a Jets tattoo. And, uh, you know, people say, oh, who's, you know, the Winnipeg's biggest international superstar? I'm like, well, it's got to be Chris Jericho, right? I mean, uh, so I'm very proud of what so. he's accomplished.
1: If you took every single person from Winnipeg and just put them in the public in 30 assorted countries around the world, mm-hmm. I think he would be the. Uh, I think he would be the guy. And of course, he came on with us. Was kind enough to come on with us before the AEW event. Kenny Omega came on a couple times as well before. And um, anyways, just really news, a uh, really neat. And I mean, while we're talking about Winnipeg stuff, I mean Jericho also has the legendary line when someone was telling him to go back to Toronto or something like that. We're in the middle of his match. He looked in the camera and went, "I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot," which is another. Another great Jericho soundbite. So, hey, happy birthday to uh, the man himself, Chris Jericho, Westwood's finest. And uh, Remo, just before we uh, transition over to uh, over to hot, uh, some football with DB, um, this is certainly not something we're going to play on the show. But my God, whatever you thought about what Alex Galchenyuk had to say to the officers that were arresting him in Sh- in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. I can assure you it is 10 times worse. Um, I mean, just a jaw-dropping video from the back of the cop car that Galchenyuk was in was some of the things that he was saying to those officers. And uh, once that came out, I think we knew that he'd sort of worn out his welcome in the National Hockey League and, you know, that chance with the Coyotes was gone and he's in the KHL. I don't know whether he ever comes back. After, uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure that he never does come back after what we learned from that uh, from that tape.
2: Yeah, well, he got arrested uh, in the in the summer, um, and it was like right after he signed with the Coyotes, and then they terminated, uh, they put him on waivers and terminated the contract right after. And uh, yes, he was arrested July nine, multiple charges. He did enter the NHL NHLPA Player Assistance Program. Hopefully, he got uh, the help. That he needed because, yes, this video is. Um, I mean, the language used in it. I mean, not something that anyone could use uh, ever. It was um, pretty shocking uh, to seeing that it was. It was like that. So he, you know what? He,
1: I was shocked. I was shocked that he didn't get charged further for like uttering threats, threatening an officer. Yeah, never mind using the N word repeatedly and a bunch of other things that uh, I mean, were are just absolutely jaw dropping. So uh, I think we can safely say and listen, a bunch of NHL teams have already done it already. But good riddance to Alex Galchenyuk. Enjoy the rest of your life in the KHL. And uh, that is that. But hey, it's uh, it's West final week. The game is on Saturday it's Thursday. We're like 48 hours plus away from getting to the princess auto tailgate zone and getting going for kickoff. So we got to bring in Darren bombing to do that just before we bring in DB. Um, shout out to the gang, the WST team growing the Mo's for Movember. Um, great response so far. And I know the guys are doing a good job. They're putting lots of fertilizer on their lips, trying to, you know, max out the month. Um, If you would like to support a very important cause, which is, of course, men's health, men's mental health, and men's health initiatives, now is the time to do it. We have set up the Winnipeg Sports Talk team. So many of the regulars that you hang out with and chat are uh, helping us raise funds. If you're with us on YouTube, you can click that. uh, You can hit the QR code. There is a link in the description of this video. If you're listening on the podcast, go to winnipegsports.com and click the link. Uh, anything you can do to help us raise funds to get closer to our goal is greatly appreciated. And of course, we're teaming up with the gang over at Modern Man for a big Movember promo. Uh, big thanks to them for their support of both Movember and Winnipeg Sports Talk. Eight locations now in Winnipeg, uh, and they've got you covered, fellas, with haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Um there's one nearby, I can tell you that. Make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com and uh go and uh, follow them on Instagram as well over at Modern Man Barber Shops. And a big shout out to our friends at Aquatech. We'll love uh, you looking forward to take the plunge in 2024 when it comes to pools, but right now Aquatech is busy with all their home renovation side of the business because whole home renovations start with Aquatech. With thousands of Renos as their foundation, AquaTech can upgrade any space in your home. Looking at that beautiful, uh, beautiful picture of the uh, home sauna that they can set up for you. Uh, But listen, whether it's the sauna or whether you want to enhance your kitchen, your bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit Aqua-Tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. Uh, and, man, I know the guys at Manitoba Battery are busy right now. Their winter-ready sale continues on. And, uh, hey, this is the time to get ready for winter. And maybe the most important thing to be ready for winter is that you're going to be able to get from A to B, no matter how damn cold it gets around Winnipeg and southern Manitoba. Manitoba Battery is online at manitobabattery.com. You'll be shopping local, and you'll get the best prices in town. That's the bottom line in Winnipeg on most purchases. Price. And Manitoba Battery beats the pants off the big box stores with the, uh, with the best price and best selection of batteries in Winnipeg. And even better than that, you're not going to need to drive to Manitoba Battery to get it because with any purchase over 60 bucks, they will deliver it to you for free. That's right. Free delivery. You like that? I thought you would. ManitobaBattery.com 783-8787 if you want to order. And if you would like a free battery test to see how yours is looking or just pop by and see Donnie and his great staff in person, you can do that at 1026 Logan Avenue. And, hey, just before we bring in bombing, uh, we know that the CC is going to be flowing at the Rum Hut and IG Field. Canadian Club, the official spirit and whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and, of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk going to be used to uh maybe keep the uh the the fans loud and the fans internally warm coming up on saturday of course you'll be able to get the entire family of canadian club and um beam suntory spirits at the game and uh you'll also be able to uh grab cc and ginger in cans Maybe you're not feeling like a beer at the game, CC and Ginger, another great option. And those are available at your local beer stores and, of course, Canadian Club, available at your local Manitoba liquor marts. Remember, folks, Saturday and every day, enjoy Canadian Club, but always enjoy it responsibly. And, hey, big shout-out to Dan Jets fan. Really nice donation to the Movember team. Shout out Dan, thank you very much another great great supporter of Winnipeg Sports Talk and uh, great to see him getting behind the uh the cause. Thank you to Dan Jets fan, certainly one of our favorites on WST. All right, let's get in the host of uh, Bonfire Sports. The camera looks amazing today. This is uh this is a uh, a great look. Bombing um th- you know we've seen are you in like this almost looks like a cabin uh, cabin mode or something like that mm-hmm. although I saw you fiddling with the camera. This is almost almost cinematic, and it's a perfect setup for what should be movie-esque on Saturday afternoon. What's going on, pal?
3: Yeah, how are you, Hustler? It's been a little while, right? Good good to see you. Good to be with you. Um, you know, I've been watching. I've been watching and listening uh, quite, uh, quite frequently. But, yeah, I thought I'd, uh, you know, throw on uh, a little bit of... Uh, ambiance a little bit of um you know the plaid shirt it's the western final right it's a western showdown so uh looking forward to uh what i expect uh saturday afternoon evening to be a a real awesome battle the lions the bombers both looking really good
1: oh man and i you know i jumped on the lions podcast earlier this week with bakes and um nick kowalski and you know, was having a little fun. I mean, obviously they're with the team and um, they had me on to kind of bring the Winnipeg perspective. And we talked about this, the season series between these these two teams was so bizarre. BC comes in and kicks the Bombers' ass. I mean, that hadn't happened in forever at at, uh, IG Field. Um, And then the Bombers, in the most anticipated rematch in a long time, put up a 50-burger on the then donut boys if you recall that that period of the bc lions season and then it all came down to the rubber match in bc and that game we'll be talking about it for years i mean one of the best regular season games in the canadian football league in a long long time with so much on the line well the bombers came back in that game and won it and we knew what was at stake it was a buy last week And it was the opportunity to host the West final. And uh, it really does seem like the result of that game has significantly put the Bombers in the driver's seat for this one because we know that this ain't BC and it ain't a dome. It's Winnipeg outdoors on a Saturday night in the middle of November. Um, What do you make just of the matchup? The pass that both of these teams have taken to Saturday and the significance of that third game and the fact that this will be the venue for it.
3: Quick side note. Did you see the Argos practicing indoors yesterday? I don't Soft. know. They get, they get to the Grey Cup. I'm wondering <laughs> if that's going to play a factor. But yeah, I mean, uh, like at, at this point of the season, I think we've known for a few months now that uh, there are three teams that were really pushing uh, or, or in the conversation to win the 110th Grey Cup. And that's Winnipeg, Toronto, and and bc i think montreal of course they'll play these final in toronto this weekend and awesome news to see the crowd what it will be twenty eight thousand or at least 25 plus coming up on 28 for them and a sellout which is outstanding um but montreal kind of you know got themselves into that conversation uh as you know uh, the second half of the season transpired winnipeg and bc they know each other well I see them as incredibly well-matched pretty much across the board. The Vernon Adams Jr., I won't say the VA that we have known over the last number of years, but maybe the reputation that he has had over the last number of years, that's not Vernon Adams Jr. anymore. Yeah, he had a six-interception game. Zach Kolaris has had bad games. He had a couple this year as well. Vernon Adams Jr. showed in the West semifinal against the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday— that he is capable of absolutely taking a game over, just grabbing it by the ears and having his way with it. And it's impressive to see him do that at, um, you know, with, with a lot on the line and yeah, it's the Calgary Stampeders. They've, they've been, you know, injury riddled throughout the season, but the reality is Calgary is a, you know, they, they've played BC well, uh, Especially uh, just a a couple weeks prior in week 20, uh, they went into Vancouver and and beat them. Uh, They sat Vernon Adams Jr. down and a lot of people wondered if, if that was something there. But what I see, Hustler, is a BC Lions team that I think on a neutral field would match up against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers perfectly. And I think that would be almost a toss up. I'm not sure what the line is at right now. I think it opened Winnipeg four and a half. It's at five now. It's at five now. So, you know, uh, I think people probably like that number. That's why it's gone up a little bit. Um, Because BC can win in Winnipeg. But the reality is, and I was listening to Farhan uh, joining you yesterday, which was an outstanding interview, and he gave a lot of great insight. I'm on the same page as him uh, in that, you know, If B.C. can quiet the crowd, if they can get out early and make Winnipeg play catch up, it will suddenly be a game that the B.C. Lions control. I'm not trying to put fear in Bombers fans. They are the like the the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the favorite, you know, on paper or in reality. They are the better football team and I expect them to win. I'm picking them to win like Farhan did but it's the playoffs and it's football and it's not a best of five or a best of seven series. It's one game winner goes to the cup in Hamilton. And uh, I'm just not sleeping on the BC lions. They have, maybe don't have the best run defense, you know, Brady Olivera, uh, the West division, most outstanding player nominee. Um, and, and rightfully so he had my vote all the way through. Um, he can also take games over, but if Winnipeg is playing catch up, and they're down a couple scores early, uh, you know, and even, say, mid-game. I don't know if Winnipeg can just rely on on running the football. We will, I know, Dowd Hustler, in a minute, talk about the health of Dalton Schoen and Nick Dembski and, and Rashid Bailey. The team adding Markeith Ambles, who is an experienced player and had a couple catches in the Grey Cup playing for the Argonauts last year, uh, is a nice add And there if Winnipeg needs him. But, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to this game, uh, I think it's going to be very important for Winnipeg to k- keep this capacity crowd, expecting it to be a sellout, very close to that, and it would be five in a row, which is just awesome. Way to go, Winnipeg, and then Southern Manitoba. That's, that's just killer. Uh, truly making it the madhouse on Matheson. But if the fans can stay engaged and make it a difficult place for a dome team like BC to operate their offense and keep Vernon Adams Jr. a little bit guessing, uh, I think that will really help Winnipeg stay in control in this game. But frankly speaking, I am not looking at one team as much better than the other. And in playoff football, that close margin can really uh, mean you, you don't know what you're going to get.
1: Well, listen, I'll, I'll, I'm with you to an extent, but I do think there's one area where the Bombers are clearly better than the BC Lions, uh, and that is running the football. Yeah. And we know that, yeah. I mean, this ain't week five of the regular season. This is the middle of November in the Canadian Football League. And to me, the Bombers have some multiple paths to victory. I mean, listen, we've seen Zach Galeros air it out. I mean, he's got as good of a receiving core. We'll see how many of them are actually there on Saturday, right. which is a bit of a concern. Um, but, I mean, to me, if the Bombers, like if this game is close, if this game is tight in the fourth quarter, how many times have we seen the Bombers just bulldoze teams on the line of scrimmage and brady Oliver, olivera getting seven getting eight getting five a carry and keeping on moving the chains and to me if the bombers are winning um that is what we will see and i don't think that's a secret michael chase i mean that that is what they want to do yeah. they do have to come out with a good start i mean we go back to two west finals ago in that incredibly cold game against the riders the Bombers turned the football over five times in the first half. And the defense bailed them out. Um, and then the better team took over in the second half uh, along that lines. But to me, uh, I mean, the one thing that this team needs to do, and I mean, I think it's somewhat on the Blue Bomber defense, is to, um, to show up right for the beginning of the game. Because we have seen a few times where it's taken a little while for the defense to get into it. And from my perspective, Darren, um, you know, if BC runs down the field and puts it in for six on their first uh, on their first uh, uh, possession. And, you know, the Bombers don't immediately respond. I mean, if all of a sudden the Bombers are playing catch up, that big advantage with the running game becomes a little secondary. And at that point, it's just about anybody's game.
3: Exactly. I I couldn't agree more. Uh, the other thing, too, um, and, you know, Farhan mentioned this yesterday and, I, you know, a very, very salient point. Winnipeg likes using an extra offensive lineman. They'll bring Tui Ellie uh, onto the field and put him next to Stanley Bryant or put him next to Jamarcus Hardrick or they'll bring in Damian Jackson, the Navy SEAL, uh, their fullback uh, and and put him uh, kind of as an up back off of uh, tackle, kind of like a tight end. And you know, a yard off the, the line of scrimmage. And and they'll do different things, use that as uh deception often because Brady can break tackles and they can run uh to the weak side uh and and still make things happen. Bully ball has been a you know a, a term in football for a long time. Brady ball is now synonymous <laughs> with that. And the reason Brady Oliveira got my MOP vote over Zach Kolaris here in Winnipeg is to me he was more outstanding in that he closed games he absolutely shut the door on opposing teams and for an offensive player to do that really says something because it's usually a defensive uh unit or a defensive player that says we're going to sack the quarterback we're going to stuff the run we're going to you know, uh, play a high safety and that guy's going to, you know, fly all over the place and not allow, uh, you know, the opposing offense to stretch the field late in games when offenses are trying to score. Winnipeg did it the other way with ball possession and the way Brady ran in fourth quarters. Like I remember a couple times doing the the postgame show uh, on Bonfire and, and being like, what was it eight? nine ten minute drive i remember a 10 minute drive in the fourth quarter to just absolutely murder the game it was done it was over and it was like you said brady four brady seven brady nine um it's really something so yeah like you know like i i both of us have touched on uh the early shot will be important because you don't want to play catch up in a game like this, uh, Winnipeg's defense, like you said, in the West final last year, I will say it was a little bit different. You know, uh, Cody Fajardo quarterbacking a Stephen McAdoo offense uh, is not the same as uh, Jordan Maximick, who if I had to give uh, an award to the top coordinator in the CFL, it would go to the BC Lions offensive coordinator Jordan Maximick this year, maybe even last year with what he did with Nathan Rourke. Um, so Winnipeg's defense will have their hands full. They've got some injury issues, kind of floating abound as well. Winston Rose, Jamal Parker, Demario Houston—all three of those guys are healthy. We hope they're all practicing. That's why I say they're healthy. But uh, you know, Winnipeg has some decisions to make as far as who's fully healthy, who can contribute the most, uh, and and who can um, you know well, who, who will be the corner. Hey, um, hey. Going up against, like, Keon Hatcher, that, that's a big task.
1: No, I, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, when we're talking injuries with the Bombers, I mean, the concern is obviously at the receiver position. Right. And, listen, they have been so fortunate all season long. It was bound to happen at some point. I mean, one of the last guys you'd want to be missing is Dalton Schoen, but I think that is a real possibility and probably very much a likelihood for Saturday. Um, first of all, are you expecting Rashid and Dembski both to be good to go. Um, and then if Shone is not out, what does that do to the offense? Who needs to step up? And who do you think gets more opportunities to play a bigger role in the absence of a guy that has been really Zach's go-to guy since he showed up here in the three-down uh, in the Canadian Football League?
3: I'll answer the second part of that question first. Everybody. Everybody needs to step up. That's the way the Winnipeg Blue Bombers play football. If they're without anybody, it's all about the supporting cast, or it's not even supporting cast. It's the entire cast. There is no lead, right? Uh, so if Dalton Schoen misses the game, and I'm, it, it really is looking that way, uh, it's going to rely on all of those other receivers, including the two players I will mention now to answer the first part of your question, Hustler. I'm more confident in uh, Nick Dembski and, um, and Rashid Bailey playing in the West final than I am to pick the bombers to win. I went to practice yesterday. I watched very closely. This is not any inside knowledge or information or people I've talked to just what I see on the field. And just what I see in the body language and what Bailey and Dembski are doing while the Bombers' offense is on the field, while the guys are running through drills, while they're talking and meeting, all those things. These guys are engaged. Bailey and Dembski, uh, if it is a question, if they play, it's going to be an 11th-hour decision. Uh, I think it would take uh, a lot to keep those two guys out of the lineup. I expect them to start. A Marquise Ambles could come into the lineup. Greg McRae is somebody Winnipeg has really relied on. Um, He he was
1: really involved in practice yesterday, from my understanding. And I would imagine with him being around all year long, he'd be a guy that they have confidence to know everything. Challenge for Ambles, while he might have, you know, more experience in the Canadian Football League is um, picking everything up and going into a new team without having played in such a big spot. So, I mean, do you expect McRae is the first guy that probably gets into the lineup and gets that spot?
3: I'm not so sure about that. I really believe that over the last couple games the Bombers have played, we've seen a lot of Brendan O'Leary orange and we've seen a lot of Drew Lelitarski moving to the inside and moving to the opposite wide receiver spot where Kenny Lawler normally lines up. Can't even say that about Kenny Lawler. He doesn't do anything normally, uh, you know, whether it's where he lines up or how he plays. But let's remember, Kenny Lawler missed the first seven games of the season and Winnipeg was just fine with Dalton Schoen and Nick Dembski and Wolotarski and Bailey and the rest. So now that Schoen could miss this game, and Kenny Lawler uh, is is you know 100 and and you know the way he's talking the way he's you know uh, jawing on the sidelines and having fun during practice having fun with the media he's engaged that's the way Kenny Lawler um, that's how you tell he is engaged he's having fun so I expect Winnipeg to be yeah they might be down a guy they might be down two guys but I expect them to have a full force air attack uh, to complement. Uh, and offset that attention that Brady Oliveira will get. And believe me, Oliveira will get attention, not because he's the West Division MOP, and in my opinion, the most outstanding player in the league today. It's because BC is a better pass defense team than they are a run defense. They cannot allow the Winnipegger to take the West Final over. Uh, bombing, just uh, 30 seconds. Uh, or is it all Argos all day uh, in the early one? Yeah, probably. I mean, they're dang good. And the best part of the Toronto Argonauts is their offensive line. Chad Kelly was the CFL All Star uh, quarterback this year, not Zach Kolaris. And I think it's because of his offensive line play. He was able to do a lot of things. So, yeah, I'm taking the Argos. I, I you know, Montreal had been playing well, but uh, I just don't see a 16 win team letting uh, themselves down. I'm expecting a, a rematch of last year's Grey Cup on uh, november 19th in hamilton i can't wait hey
1: it's a big week for
3: bomber fans
1: and that means it's a very big week for uh, you and bluto and wall and uh, bonfire sports by the way folks if you haven't seen tristan rivers there's a new walby song i Amazing. Mean, tune in just for that um when are uh, you guys firing it up and uh, when can that uh, excited bomber fans jump into uh, the uh, bonfire pregame festivities
3: on fire Sports, pregame, postgame, every game. And we will be at the Grey Cup. I'm going to Hamilton next week. So uh, 3 o'clock Friday, Chris Walby will join me for Game Day Winnipeg and our pregame show. Join us live. i got a pair of tickets to the West Final to give away. You need to tune in live to uh, win those. And then postgame, as we always do. My man Schnitzy will join me game day after dark. You can find links to everything, the podcast, the YouTube bonfiresports.ca. And I'm looking forward to hearing from Murat right now because uh, I got a hockey game to cover. So hopefully he can help me with my game story tonight.
1: You got it. I know know you're focused on Saturday at 5.30, but there's a little bit of work to be done before that. We'll look forward to the pregame. We'll look forward to this weekend, and we'll look forward to seeing you in Hamilton next week. Uh, hopefully, with the bombers coming along, take it easy, Darren, thanks for doing this. You
3: too us here
1: all right, good stuff with uh with Darren of bombing. yeah, we are going to pivot back to the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow on the program though uh tons more bomber coverage. Eddie Tate will join us, and uh, we can 't have the week of the West final without a visit from Teddy Wyman, so uh Teddy Drip will be with us as well tomorrow on the uh, on the show, looking forward to that uh of course tonight. It's Jets and Preds kicking off a five-game homestand Saturday 2 p.m. Tickets available for those games as well as New Jersey coming in. Their lone visit of the year. We'll see whether or not Jack Hughes and Nico Heesher are able to play. Uh, but some more big games. So if you haven't been out to the rink so far, team's rolling right now. It's a great time to do it. And don't forget tonight, if you are going, you might want to get there early. Special pennant celebrating Cole Perfetti, Josh Morrissey and Kyle Connor and their time with the Moose being given out to the first 5000 fans. Now, we mentioned it's men's health month. I'm uh, just checking we're already over $1000 for our Movember promo. Thank you to everyone uh, that has uh, that has jumped on uh, on board. Um of course, when it comes to health, Vita Health Fresh Market is at the uh, at the top of the list um when it comes to natural and organic supplements which are so important beauty products and groceries and as it is men's health month prairie naturals offers canada's number one line of men's health supplements formulated to help support the changing needs of a man's body and we've got a great promo beginning i'd hope that we would have the contest up today uh we hope to do it tomorrow for sure on the weekend what i think what we might have to do is uh do a little marble race or qualify a couple people beforehand. But check this out, you guys. A beautiful... I won't take it out of the package. But there you are. Signed the letter of authenticity. Trevor Linden jersey. Linden, of course, part of the... I uh, uh, believe the ownership of Prairie Naturals. And in addition to that, the, uh, the entire... The entire line of all of their supplements. So we're going to be doing a marble race on the last day of men's health month, but you got to qualify to get in on it. We're going to be doing a co-branded Instagram with the folks at Vita health. You'll be able to register on the website. If you're listening to the podcast after the fact, go to winnipegsportstalk.com and check that out. And uh, as I say, um, beginning tomorrow or Monday, we will roll through it. We'll, uh, we'll announce qualifiers every day. They'll all go in for uh, this beautiful jersey, along with the certificate of authenticity signed by Trevor Linden and the uh, the um, the Prairie Naturals package. Big thanks to Vita Health, six Winnipeg locations, empowering people to lead healthy lives. You can also check them out and shop online at myvita.ca. A shout out to our friends at Wallace and Wallace. Um, you know they're the fencing experts, but also the go-to people for overhead garage doors. And that overhead garage door has had a lot of ups and downs this summer and fall, but it's about to work a whole lot harder this winter because these extreme temperatures put far more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. So give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know. And that is Wallace and Wallace. And just before we bring in Murata, big thanks to our friends at F Apparel. Um, guys, if you're looking in the closet and realize that you need to up your menswear game as we head into the holidays, do not wait. Get on down to F at 190 Smith Street downtown and check out their custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both untucked and tuck styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Fifteen percent discount for wedding parties. So if you're in a wedding party or having one, talk to them about getting the guys done up at F with the great suits so that they can wear long after the big day. And of course, if you're uh, if you have someone in your family that's tough to shop for, an F gift card would be a great gift this holiday season. Uh, see them again, one ninety Smith Street downtown, online, or make an appointment at F. That's E P H apparel.com. All right, let's bring in Marana Tesh of the Athletic to get ready for this big one tonight against the Preds and a big one on Saturday against the Dallas stars coming off two wins in the division. Murat, how are you? Oh, I think uh, hold on a sec. I think, is that on our end? Uh, the mute Remo? Mm,
4: let me, there we go. Hey team. Hey, team.
1: Perfect. Yeah. We just got to get this, uh, the echo off and uh, we will be, uh, we will be good to go. Of course, Uh Murat just back from the morning skate. Loren Brassois, the starter tonight and a
4: couple tweaks to the lineup, which we'll get to. Well, let's try that again. How's it going? Hey, good to be here. I see you smiling, so you can hear me, right? We can absolutely hear you. Looking like a million
1: U.S. tax-free as always. Getting ready for <laughs> uh, getting ready for the game today. I'm, uh, yeah, I know. Listen, I'm excited for tonight. Before we get to tonight's game, um, really wanted to get your thoughts on just what we saw in these last two games to finish up the road trip. Big wins for the club in Arizona that started not great down to nothing. And um, I mean, so many storylines of the way the jets rallied back after that giveaway by Mark Shifley. And then Mark Shifley returning the favor along with his line, really taking over that game. And one of his best games I can think of in forever. I mean, now how did you see the last six periods for Winnipeg and those two big
4: wins? Yeah. I mean, Mark Shifley delivering some vintage peak Mark Shifley and, and, a couple of you know offensive situations created because he tracked back, lifted a stick, took the Jets the other way. That is a number one center, and that answers a lot of the questions I think that people have about the Winnipeg Jets this season. I mean, we all have always known the offense is there. And to be credit, we've seen him play some really committed defense in short samples and short bursts before. But I think there's a little bit of a quality and a refinement to his game and the commitment to that back check that – you know, I'm I'm one over just now at the moment. And I and I want 20 games of a sample before I'm saying that this is the real deal forever. Um, and even then, you know, that's not how, ever how hockey works. The start is great on his part. And, and I, I really uh, have enjoyed watching those committed back checks, whether it leads to a stick lift and an opportunity the other way or just getting back in Winnipeg's Winnipeg zone and helping that down low coverage. And he's had success there too. Um, Kyle Connor got scoring, which is absolutely key because when Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor run a two-man game and I use two-man game from basketball intentionally both of them have played basketball in their lives I've talked to them about it um, the The pick and roll is real the the two-man game is real and the way that they excel especially at three-on-three overtime is uh, I mean they're they just make reads off of each other at a really elite level when they score Winnipeg wins more often than not obviously when they don't they don't Uh, And it's been nice to see them catch up to that Mason Appleton, Adam Lowry, Nino Niederreiter group in terms of leading the way offensively too, because I think that's, that's what has been the most fun to watch is a a three workman like guys just going out there doing the same thing every single time over and over again. Had a great chat with Mason Appleton today, pretty fired up to write off of that. Um, And Hus. While I'm monologuing, I'm really fired up. I'm really happy to to see some live hockey again. I wasn't on this road trip. I'll be traveling a little later in the year. Um, I'm so fired up, and I, I just think the Jets deserve credit for, you know, you get Neil Pionk scoring that goal in transition. What a wrist shot from him. You get four assists off of Alex Ayafalo. They're both just barely removed from Adam Johnson's memorial service, and they were close. They were so close. Wedding party close. I was talking to Mike Russo, who was there and wrote off of the Memorial for the Athletic. He was there on the scene. And, you know, Pionk's speech and what he was able to say, amazing. Alex Iafalo was emotional on the day. And then they turn around and have a game like that. I think that says a lot about the character that they have. I think it says a lot about the Jets' ability to support them through this tough time and the ability of, when you go through something difficult, whether it's a hockey community or otherwise, when you have people around you who support you, and I think that's what they're getting from the Winnipeg Jets right now, I just think that that's worth celebrating and, and acknowledging. It's beyond hockey. Well, it, it, it is. And and listen, sometimes I almost feel bad
1: bringing this back to the team and where they're at and how this team would, you know helps them win games and whatnot because, I mean, let's face that, all of that is trivial and completely secondary when we talk about the tragedy that cost a young man with so much to live for his life. But specifically to Pionk, I mean, I read Mike's article on Friday or Saturday going into the, 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 free press after his conversation with him on the road. And I mean, I, I was, I was stunned. I mean, I, I didn't understand, I, just how close these guys were They'd been, you know, standing up in the wedding party for him. And, um, and how it was affecting him to the point that he's sitting there, like, thinking about it in the freaking penalty box against Vegas. And I-, I watched the game and maybe looked at him differently when we were wa- when we were watching the game in Arizona. And listen, the rest of the chats, for that matter, were kind of sleepy in the first period. Neil Pionk was not. Um, I-, I thought that he played with as much purpose as we had seen at at any point this year. And listen, we all know in the last kind of two seasons, he's had some real ups and downs and there's been some challenges. And at times he has not played at the level that we'd seen in the past. Um, He was, um, as I said, just the best way I can put it, he was playing with the purpose. He was the one shooting the puck. He was really, um, he was really dialed in. And then you fast forward three days with the funeral and the trip up to Minnesota and everything that happened in between and then him scoring that goal and the image on the, on the, on the bench of those players. And and I'll repeat this. I said this yesterday, but I'll repeat it. Now this team for the last number of years has always told us how close knit they are and how tight they are and all that. And to be honest, I didn't really believe it. Um. That moment, and really what we've seen from this team is they've grown with the depth and how they've leaned on a lot of other guys and how they played. But that moment, it almost seemed at times like every guy on the team was putting his hand on Neil Pionk's shoulders. And um, again, it's horrible to talk about it in the aftermath of what has happened. But this really does seem like a much better version of a team that is walking the walk that they have talked for a long time. And, um, you know, as someone that, you know, is is a fan of the team and wants to see them win, I, got, I have so much more confidence in the way that this team is built um, from leadership, from guys that feel a part of it, than, um, at really any point over the last number of seasons right now. And I'm just wondering what you kind of think about you know the the makeup of this club, what we've learned about them, and uh, how they they legitimately are together, and how important that is for a team in a long in the long ups and downs with the pressures of playing in a Canadian market like Winnipeg.
4: I think it's absolutely so critical, so important, and I don't want to throw the past version of the Jets under the bus too much because even when you know, we sort of had the idea that there was conflict and they would argue about how to right the ship during struggling moments. And, and certainly it was more of a top-down leadership approach. I think we all agree that that's the impression we have from Blake Wheeler and otherwise. Um, there were the big moments that they got right in that previous regime. You got Wheeler with his arm around line a when he scores in his own net. Um, and, you know, clearly Wheeler's expectations of line a cr- created friction in, in the years to, to follow that. Josh Morrissey, when he's uh, when his father is dying of cancer, Wheeler was there for him as well. So they got a lot of big moments right. And I don't doubt that there would have been a, a response in a big moment like this too. But I agree with your point overall that this team does seem like it's closer-knit than at any time that we can remember. And they've told us that many times and maybe it was true and we didn't see or they didn't find a way to show us. I'll put it that way as well. Um, I think they're showing us now. And I think that... You know, when you see all of those players go to Neil Pionk and the amount of support and the things that they've said, I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's easier to step forward on a team where you feel like your voice matters. It's not somebody else's job to do the right thing. I think that that may have a a role in just how many people are going out. Uh, The other thing that I want to say kind of in that regard, and it's for me, I think people want to do the right thing, all people. I think that people want to be there and and do the right thing and support each other. And at a time as critical as this, when multiple people, I mean, multiple people have told me, I haven't spoken to Neil about this yet, but have have called Adam Johnson his best friend. So, I mean, that that is an incredibly difficult road to walk. I'm sad to say I've walked that as well. But people want to do the right thing. And the Jets have taken the opportunity to do that. And I think this is a situation when somebody is grieving, he scores a goal like that, where they sort of know how to. People want to do, like I keep repeating, people want to do the right thing, but sometimes you don't know what it is that you can do. But within the language, within the culture of hockey, there are things that people know how to do. And the fact that Winnipeg is putting an arm around a guy, giving a guy an extra fist bump, whatever it is, I think that they're using, they're showing him. And I I have to imagine he feels that. And he's not the only one. He's not the only one, right? I follow. Is close the Dominic the Tornado family is so close? Samberg as well. Um, that matters. It matters so much. And I think that over a you know two hundred day season or whatever else it is, um, this is an opportunity to do good that the Jets have taken. And you like to believe that they'll be paid for it.
1: Well, um, you know it is. Uh, I mean, very well put. And you know, a, a part of the way that this team has played together. Um, I mean, I think about just. You know, I mean, the coaching deserves a lot of credit, the way that, you know, things continue to build where everyone is a part of it. I mean, they're not leaning on the one line that's going and putting them out over and over again. I and mean, we saw in that win, under 19 minutes for Shifley, 11 minutes for the guys in the fourth line, everybody contributing. But in two aspects of it, on the ice, un- unquestionably, but also with this sort of, you know, leading the new leadership group, Adam Lowry's presence this year from day one of training camp right through until now has been, um, I mean, I think more than they could have even imagined when they made him the captain. And I think they all felt very confident he was making the right choice because he is a leader that has always been that bridge. I think in that locker room, that's brought everyone together, but Murat, what his line is doing right now to their opponents, um, is absolutely dominating. And um, Mason Appleton, the season that he's having alongside him, and uh, we'll get to Nito Niederreiter and his spot on the club, his importance, a potential extension, and what that means not only for what he does on the ice, but I believe as the perfect mentor for some of the young wingers that will be coming into this team over the next little bit. Um, Like, I know we can kind of just live in the moment. and It was all Shifley and all Connor last game. Um, but this is another week where we're having a conversation, and we cannot overlook the incredible contributions led by the captain, along with Niederreiter and uh, and Appleton.
4: Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, this is a it's a refrain I've went to a lot, and you know I would receive some doubt I think on Twitter or in the comments and things like that. But you give Adam Lowry quality line mates, which he you know has had sometimes over the last few years, but not always. And he produces. He genuinely does. Give him quality line mates and health. And, you know, Nito Niederreiter's arrival, that partnership with Mason Appleton, from the moment that that line was formed uh, last uh, after the trade deadline, they crushed teams in terms of puck possession and goals and real goals. They turned it into offense, which helps Winnipeg win. It was a big part of the Jets finding their game heading into the playoffs. And, you know, injuries shuffled some things around in the playoffs, and that line didn't stay together as much as it, as it could have. I talked to Mason Appleton today, like I said, and I think that he does play a little bit of a what-if game in his head. There's a sense with him of, well, we were going so good. Like, what if, uh, you know, we had played more minutes together in the playoffs? Could we have changed uh, how things went? Maybe, maybe, because that trio is that good. They've got the 12th best, as of last night, before last night's games, 12th best expected goals differential of any line at 5-on-5 five five in the NHL. Tops on the Jets, tops on just about any team. And it's because of how dedicated and how committed they are and how well they read off of each other and how, com- how committed, that's the word I'll use, to playing the right way every single time. You never doubt a, da- a back check from them. You never doubt a forecheck from them. You never doubt their commitment to do the right thing. And you do that over and over and over again. It's led them to some great things, which are propping, the not in alone, but have helped prop the Jets up, especially at 5-on-5, as the special teams have struggled.
1: You know, we uh, <laughs> when we were uh, kicking it around at the start, just about sort of the news coming out of the morning skate and learned that Gabriel Velarde was back on the ice with a knee brace that he'd been waiting for, um, obviously great news for the Jets. we got thinking about the inevitable question as to how things look when he comes back in. Does he go right back onto that top line? Does he move in and they try him maybe at center uh, on the second line? We will see. But it's the other end of that equation that I find so interesting is that David Gustafson, during his time in the lineup, starting in game number four through until now, has finally turned into that player that I think the Winnipeg Jets thought they had all this time. Um, he's played great, solid, responsible minutes on the, on the fourth line. He's contributed penalty killing. He's made the most of a couple opportunities thanks to Cole Perfetti that he scored. And listen, it is a great problem when you are in a position to potentially put a player that's doing that uh, back into the press box. Um, but just wanted to get your thoughts on you know, the true depth of this team that's showing right now, and in particular, how much David Gustafson's done for his cause with the way that he's played during the Velarde injury.
4: Well, I think what David Gustafson illustrates for me is that for all – You know, if you want to project how good a team is going to be or how good a player is going to be, you might look at a big sample. You might look at the overall, well, how's this team played in the last 10 games of five-on-five, last 20 games? Well, if they've done well, if they've carried the flow of play, if they've outshot now chance teams, even if they don't finish, you can count that eventually those pucks will go in. But that's not necessarily the lens that every situation works through. And specific moments can dictate what happens to a game. You know, one giveaway, one play, um, one big save, one post, one incredible goal. And specific moments can influence a guy's career. And I think that David Gustafson had some pretty awful puck luck last year, was not finishing particularly well. He gets a real nice pass from Cole Perfetti. And yes, Gustafson scored in the preseason too. But beautiful pass, beautiful goal, finish is excellent. And for the rest of that game, he's firing pucks like a guy who believes that he can score. He's scored again since that. Then again, I think that was Cole Perfetti's rush with Blake Wheeler on his back and he dishes to Gustafson. And he's getting the, like, he's making the play. He's got the grit. He's got the finish. He's taking the shot. But that puck is going in. Nobody's making an all world save, it's not going bar and out or what have you. And now you can believe in him going forward. It's not a process thing, even though the process earned him the opportunity. It's a, it worked out in the moment. And that changes how we're feeling about this guy. And it's making me think, you know, because he's creating and because the fourth line is so important, like I think he's the guy most likely to go to the press box if everybody's healthy, but he's earned himself you know, the ability to make an argument, you know, Rasmus Kapari has been wonderful, but he hasn't produced as much necessarily, Um, you know, the, I don't think Morgan Barron's in that conversation for who could come out. I don't think that it's anybody but Gustafson, but I think that he's done enough to make it an argument that's worth having. Oh, there, there's no, uh, there's no question uh, about it. And I mean, the
1: job of a young player in that situation is to make the most of your minutes um, to make every shift count. He has absolutely done that. And the result of that will be to give the coaching staff a really tough decision. And that will be a really tough decision when they inevitably make it, I mean, one other guy that started on that line that, of course, is now playing on the second line is Nemetsnikov in the middle, and you know, we, I mean, obviously, we talked about the save that he made and the save that Dylan made, and just goes back to you know the team being so dialed in and so committed to doing anything they can to help his team to win. But but do we appreciate enough everything that Nemetsnikov is bringing to the Jets right now? Um, It it just seems wild that he has played an important role on that line. Um, He's so defensively responsible. He seems to be a very important catalyst to Nikolai Ehlers, and, and certainly Cole Perfetti deserves a ton of credit with the way that he's played so far and continuing to meet the challenges that he's been faced. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on a guy that we probably don't talk enough about in Nemetsnikov. And his level of importance right now to the overall success of the club.
4: Yeah, I wonder if we never talk about him or don't talk about him enough because you never really have to worry about him. Like, there's That's never a point. sense of like what's going to happen. You sort of know he's going to go all out, and um, he might be on the fourth line or the second line or the third line, and and you'll get uh, an interesting and effective player out of him. Um, I has who who finished off the goal where Nemesnikov spun off the wall, beat his man, stepped into the net, and fired the puck in. There's been some incredible offensive plays to go with the effort. Um, And that play where he spun off his check, uh, some of the shot blocks that he's made, some of the, the commitment. He's always been good at the blue lines, get the puck out, get the puck in, those sorts of things. He becomes a mystery to me because the guy hasn't played a lot of years with any one organization when he's on that organization, he doesn't play like, you know, 20, 30, 40 games at a time on any one particular line just moves around is effective wherever he goes, does the things and then seems to be content not to get a lot of the headlines and great guy for, for Winnipeg to have. I think that, you know, part of what's made the Jets so good this year is you, there are fewer players whose back check that you'll doubt and, since they got him, since they got Niederreiter, you know Appleton's strong start, Lowry's strong start, I follow. You can you can begin to begin to say like all these guys are going to pressure the puck hard, and I think his arrival has been a big part of that. He deserves this credit.
1: Murad, um, just quickly on Niederreiter, um, what do you think a contract? will or should look like if uh, the two sides can come together on an agreement? And and just in your opinion, how important is it? Um, and not only with what he's doing on the ice right now, but projecting two, three years, not only as a player, but also, as I mentioned, a mentor to uh, the, some pretty important young players that um, are going to be coming into the mix and will be taking spots in the top 12.
4: Yeah, you know, he's he's exactly the type of player... I mean, I get comments on this on twitter sometimes remember to praise kevin shovel dayoff for the niederrider acquisition it may be one of his best trades to well, give and, up. and
1: that's it's so funny i mean we talked about this a little bit yesterday i remember the angst all the people that thought that the jets should literally empty the cupboards going for a mire or whatever um listen i didn't think that was the case to do at the time because i didn't think that team was playing anywhere close to a point that it made sense to to risk any of that um, but you look back now at those two acquisitions, re-signing Nemestikov, the potential of re-signing Niederreiter. Um, you're right. I mean, Shevoldaev does deserve a lot of credit for how that was handled, and the results continue to benefit this club.
4: Yeah. I I think his AAV right now with that $4 million range is pretty close to appropriate. I think that that's the type of AAV you want. I think he's turned 31, and so for me, term... Is a bit of a consideration, just the hard nosed way that he plays, the commitment that he plays with. Um, the fact that I think a lot of his success is because he outworks and out muscles people. I don't think it's that like Joe Thornton type of stay on the wall and just have the vision and use your body to protect the puck. So, I do worry a little bit about term, you know, I don't think he's a six, seven year, eight year type of extension. But if you can keep it to that two to three, let's call it three years range, if you can keep it in that four million AAV, I think he's a perfect complementary player on the Jets. The Jets have needed for a long time that type of player who, um, whose work ethic is that dialed in, night in, night out, and who bullies his way to the front of the net when he needs to. Because you can count on Kyle Connor for a particular type of offense and Mark Shifley for a particular type of offense. Nikolai Ehlers, I think, needs to get going even more. But you can count on certain things. Um, that's a lot of your top six that doesn't do what Nino you know, Niederreiter does. Um, and I think that not only can he do that now, but like you said, he does a good job of providing a window to the next generation. He help insulate the high-end skill that's coming as well. That's a player that you want to keep if you're the Winnipeg Jets, and if you got to go to four years because that's the situation, and Ryder loves it in Winnipeg, then uh, then then maybe that's what you have to talk about.
1: Um, Rod, attached of the Athletic, with us um, quickly to just touch on tonight. I mean, uh, what do you make of the uh, this matchup? The importance of the Jets to get off to a good start on this homestand, continue a strong week in the division, uh, and the challenge coming in from the Nashville Predators, uh, especially if UC Soros is in the
4: net. We know how damn good he is. Yeah, I mean, Nashville hasn't really gotten out to the start that they've wanted so far. I think their PK has struggled even more than Winnipeg's has. It's power plays keeping them in games. The goaltending hasn't dominated to that UC Soros-like level. So, you know, hopefully that lasts from a Jets perspective for at least another night if he plays. Uh, The interesting thing for me about Nashville is the amount of pucks that they get to the net and the amount of rebounds and second chances that they get to as well. I mean, if you go to the heat maps, if you go to just an, like a visual analysis of their game, they do make life pretty tough at 5-on-5 five five in, uh, in front of the opposing goaltender. So Bressois is going to have uh, his hands full. Defensemen are going to have their hands full getting, getting to pucks uh, and rebounds and crease clears and all that sort of stuff. Beyond that, though, the Predators are on the last game of a long road trip. Winnipeg's been playing a good brand of hockey at 5-on-5. Five five. Finally got some special team success the other night. You like Winnipeg's odds as long as Winnipeg can play that high-pressure, quality 5-on-5 game that it's starting to become known for, I think, 12 games in so far.
1: Well, and and, and listen, you mentioned one thing that maybe we haven't touched on just because we talked about it so damn much over the last couple weeks, Um, the turnaround in special teams. I mean, I joke with Dream on Monday. I'm like, hey, it was a saw-off against Arizona, and look what happened. They ended up winning the game. You know, you will take it. I think a big step forward with that game against the St. Louis Blues, getting a couple. Um, Just your thoughts on where both special teams units are at right now after rough starts on both sides of the
4: ledger. Yeah, I'm a little more optimistic about the power play just at the moment, and maybe it's because they rattled off a couple goals and everything worked well. Uh, They're further away from the league seller on the power play than than on the penalty kill if I've got my up-to-date stats right. Uh, so you, you like to believe in that. You also, with Gabriel Velarde, I mean, he skated today. He's going to be, you know, a, a couple weeks. Yeah, you like to see the, the amount of success there. With that PK, um, you know, I think that they're still spending an awful lot of time in their zone. I talked about that with Scott Arneal today and some of the players. I think there's a sense that uh, they want to win that extra draw. They want to get that extra clear. They want to manage their coverage a little bit better. They think that they can get to it. They know they did last season, same type of system, um, and and they believe it's there. But I've seen that that PK get seamed an awful lot of times uh, so far this season. It's it's also where uh, I want to talk about goaltending for a second. If you limit it to five on five, Winnipeg's getting above average goaltending, which is a shock because of how bad Connor Hellebuck and Laurent Brassois' save percentages look so far. It's the PK where power plays have sort of gotten the shots that they want to get. They make the seam pass. They get the goalie moving, all sorts of stuff like that. The rebound goes out. That's where Winnipeg's save percentage has not existed. And I think it's about that PK needing to stop itself from getting seamed as frequently as it does. Um, you know what? You mentioned goaltending. And I mean, we'll finish off with this. Um I thought LB was
1: really fighting the puck in uh, in Montreal uh, a couple weeks ago. and I mean, I would, maybe don't put too much stock into that first game uh, against his old team, first game of the season, hadn't played in a little bit. But um, I suggested early on that this is a huge start for Loren Bressois Personally, to get back, feeling good about where he's at, to get a win, feel like he's helping the team you know, do what they're trying to do. Um, just thoughts on Bressois going into tonight. And, and what's at stake for him?
4: Well, I think in terms of stakes, remember what he said when he was signed and arrived back in Winnipeg, or I guess it was a Zoom. He said that his mission this year on this short-term deal is to prove to the NHL he can be a starter or a 1A type of goaltender who can earn a tremendous number of starts. And the thing about Laurent Brassois' career to date heading into this start is he's sort of alternated brilliant years with substandard years. And that's what's limited him to that 1B or backup role a lot of the time. So this start for him is about showing that he can win a game for Winnipeg, steal a game if he's got to. It's about getting on that track to a consistent run of that high-level, great version of LB that we've seen in Winnipeg in years past. Because if he can do that for a long stretch of time, teams will believe in him as a starter. He will get the contract. He will get the opportunity. But he's got to do it for a lot of games in a row, and it's got to start tonight. And it's got to be something that he can look back on at the end of the year and be like, look at what quality year I had for the second straight season. Um, Marat, great
1: stuff. Hey, I I lied. I have to hit you with one more. It's not a Jets question on the way out, but I know you pay close attention to what's happening out West. What the hell is going on with the Edmonton Oilers?
4: (laughs) Oh man. Uh, (laughs) if only I knew, I, I keep hearing that the fancy stats are actually pretty good that they're, you know, they're getting the chances, all that sort of stuff. But, uh, I think the defending has been a bit miserable and the goaltending has been miserable, uh, You know, I I don't have more insight than that. Sometimes you see teams that pressure a lot and chase a lot um, and create a lot off transition get beat that way too. I think of Seattle, when they like sort of overloaded and and played such a high pressure defense their first year, they would just give up incredible quality chances. And I wonder if that happens to Edmonton. Um, Jack Campbell getting waived. Here's, okay, let me say something Jets relevant to this Oilers situation. Remember some of the off-season speculation. Edmonton probably needs a goaltending upgrade. Edmonton probably needs that. And so they go into the season with Campbell and Skinner, and they're trying to sort it out that way. Well, once upon a time, Connor Hellebuck didn't have a seven-year contract extension, and if the Edmonton Oilers had an elite goaltender, one might believe in them as a legitimate Stanley Cup contender given the quality they have up front. What would a trade have looked like? Imagine the Edmonton Oilers were freaking out right now um, their goaltending wasn't working, and Connor Hallebuck didn't have that extension. What might that look like? That'd yeah, be we'll
1: fun. take Dry If we'll, he, he's <laughs> yeah, available. Call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> Man, 31 versus 32 tonight in the Shark Tank. May the best team win. Let's <laughs> <We'll, we'll> see <laughs> so what good. happens. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, listen, really enjoyed the mailbag, uh, the uh, two part mailbag in the athletic this week. Uh, why don't you tease uh, anything you've got coming up for folks uh, who are anxiously awaiting more from Murata Tesh?
4: Well, you know, the other day Mason Appleton uh, in the post game said, "You know, for any of you guys out there who like analytics, you know, our line's been pretty good." <laughs> who was he talking and, to? <laughs> <laughs> I told him today that's like firing out the Marat signal, right? Like, <laughs> of course, I was going to request him today. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, here's an underrated, uh, underrated interview, by the way. You know, Mason Appleton isn't one of the people you think of as a spokesperson for the Winnipeg Jets the amount of detail with which he can break down a game and some of the insight he has about some of the stats and things like that. My next piece is going to lean heavily on his insight. It's going to use some of the NHL edge stats. It's going to use some of the analytics. And uh, And we had a, a really, really good chat. We, we both ended it with like, uh, I, yeah, it felt good. I'll tell you that much. I cannot wait to
1: read it and uh, can't wait for this game tonight. Marat thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks, us Thanks for having me. Good stuff. There is uh, Murat Atesh, and uh, you already know this, but uh, make sure you're subscribing to The Athletic. Great content coming out all the time from our pal Marat over at theathletic.com. Uh, we're going to talk a little Jets, some Bombers, and a little more NHL with Brandon Rewicki coming up in just a minute. Uh, Do you mention that game? And, you know, I've mentioned mm-hmm. that, you know, obviously it's a big third, uh, five-game homestand. If any of you are thinking about going to the game tonight, and uh, I know there's a lot of talk, tickets, expensive, all that, uh, the Thursday Thursdays is on right now. 69 bucks for a ticket, an upper bowl ticket, and a 17-ounce uh, beer. So um, if you are thinking about maybe last minute, check out that deal at the Jet website, Jet Socials, as well. Um, on Friday, or sorry, on Saturday, it is the Super Sports Saturday, and Winnipeg will start it off at Canada Life Centre with the Stars and Jets in a big Central Division battle at 2.0. And then at 5:30, it's the bomber game. But if you are going to the bomber game, don't forget the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone is open at 3:30 PM. Five dollar beers, 350 pop, 350 hot dogs. I'm sure they'll have some hot chocolate and some things to keep you warm there. And then it is game time, of course, Princess Auto, a proud Winnipeg company, all in on the bombers again this year. Um and uh, they're also great sponsors of ours and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at princess auto visit them online at princessauto.com you can shop there 24 7 365 or check them out in-store panett road or portage avenue west right here in the peg um, and hey we've got about two days well Right right now, as we do this, we have uh, 51 hours till kickoff. You might want to make a point of uh, planning a stop at Royal Sports before the big game. Um, Blue bomber hoodies, toques, scarves. Great looking bomber gear to keep you warm for the big game. And dare I say, hopefully be able to wear them again in a week in Hamilton. Um, there really is no store like Royal Sports anywhere when it comes to sports fans You can bang off all of your holiday shopping for the sports fans in your life in a very quick period of time between the bomber section, the biggest jet section you'll find anywhere with thousands of pieces of merchandise, all the jerseys customized as you want. Great NFL section. And of course they are the hockey heavyweights in town, family owned and doing it for 40 years. It's all at Royal sports, 750 Pemina highway. Get on down there today and follow them on Instagram. Instagram. At Royal Sports Pemina, great holiday gift ideas, sale information, and merchandise drops there as well. And hey, if you're not going to the game tonight, I would suggest you do. But if you're not going to the game tonight, uh, the next best place to uh, take it in is at your local Boston pizza. Of course, you can keep an eye on the NFL's version of Oilers Sharks. The Bears and Panthers, which is kicking off at 7.15. Jets and Predators as well. And then uh, that late game between San Jose and Edmonton. No better place to get together with the gang to watch the big game than Boston Pizza. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the Boston Pizza feature menu. Staying in, order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's keep the conversation rolling, and welcome in our guy, Brandon Rawicki, the host of Skates and Plates. Rue, how are you, my man? What's uh, what's going on? Yeah, not too much. Doing good. How's it going over there? Well, it's going great. It's going great. It's been a fun week of shows. Vibes are good around the team. I mean, uh, I mean listen, I, I was... The way they came back after i mean I, the the shifley giveaway you know that led to the second goal was ugly i mean that's going to happen once a year twice a year whatever uh it was the freest of free pizzas but the way that the team came together brendan Dillon getting in on it led by the 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 lowry line again i mean was just a great victory and the way they built on that um although i said it was about a good 52 minutes i mean did not like the start in st louis Got a few saves, not just from Connor Hellebuck, but everybody <laughs> popping in. And uh, I mean, man, the four lines going, the power play getting going. I mean, uh, a lot to like with what the Jets have done through a dozen games coming into a game where they are favored, but a big divisional game starting off an important homestand. I mean, there's a lot on the line tonight, uh, but you have to like the way this team has looked coming out of that loss in Vegas to start the roadie on uh, Thursday.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, look, you get you get two Brandon Dillon goals. You better not let that game go to waste. So the the Jets they, almost they did three, the right thing. <laughs> almost three. And then he, it was funny in the Blues game. He had some some time and space again, and I, I think he was it was like a heat check, like he was ready to go. See if I could put one more barring in. Um but it was, it was It's interesting. You start with the Shifley play in Arizona, Hus, because I mean, yeah, it's just a fluke play more than, than it is like a bad defensive zone issue. You know what I mean? Like it just. Puck rolls off the stick. You fanned on it. I mean, yeah, like it's just it's it's a it's a brutal mistake, but it's it happens to every player uh, at least once over the course of of, of 82 games. But in that St. Louis game, and especially after that ugly start, there was about a 15 second sequence leading up to the Neil Pionkle, where as soon as I saw that shift, it was like, oh, it's going to be a it's going to be a long night for St. Louis with that top line. Because Mark Shifley kind of did the old jump on the back today, boys, because it's going to be a top-line game. And I was I was really, I mean, and, and people aren't wrong in doing this, but he's taken a lot of heat about his defensive play and, and commitment issue, this and this and this. But, man, did he ever work his ass off defensively on that shift in particular. And if you get a chance to go back and watch it, it's 100% worth the view where he tracks back, back checks hard, uses his strength. Knocks oh. a guy off the puck, picks up the puck, back the other way through the neutral zone. Like it's, it's just, it was no. it was number one center <laughs> quality to it, like chef's kiss. It was absolutely perfect.
1: I know exactly what you're talking about. I said the same things to the guys that I was watching uh, watching with, and um, but to bring it back to 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 Saturday when that happened, like if that same thing happens two years ago, that crushes the team. And i don't think they come back like they were just built different they were a more fragile team and and again we don't need to get into we just talked with moron about the lowry and nino and and appleton and what they're doing right now but they really did pick him up and pick the team up when that happened and mark Schifley returned the favor in spades in yeah. the game in st louis right now and Um, And again, you know, looking at the team overall, I mean, in a game in St. Louis where nobody played more than 19 minutes up front, no one played less than 10, um, I I can't remember the last time where this team was as balanced, getting contributions from every single player. Um, And it was about time for Scheife to remind everybody who the boss was when it comes to scoring and get a little bit of separation between him and Appleton and Niederreiter and Lowry and all those guys. But to be honest, the goals and the assists are all important, and that was a huge part of the game. But you absolutely nailed it. I mean, he was so engaged. I mean, um, and, and we said yesterday, why not question it today? was, I mean, that was Mark Shifley's best 60-minute game since when? And you had to go back, I think, a pretty long time to uh, compare a performance like that. And it's uh, exactly what he needed, his line needed, and the team needed in, uh, in in the situation.
0: Yeah, he's more than capable of it. Like, he's... he's... One of the, you know, it's funny because if you're ranking like centermans in the NHL Hus, I think it's fair to say he's well outside the top 10 right now, but I mean, he's more than capable of taking games over when he wants to, like he, he's got that amount of skill. And I, I think he can do that at, at both ends of the rink, to be honest, when he wants to, and he did in the, in the St. Louis game and and he deserves all the credit in the world for it. I mean, it was, it was nice to give the real top line a night off Hus. right? Where. Lowry and yeah. Niederreiter and, and Appleton don't have to <laughs> fill a score sheet. But but I I think that's when you see, and, and, you know, you go back to the contract talks earlier on in the season and stuff like that, and it's, it's games like that where you can understand why management's like, we got to lock this guy down, right? Like there's, with all the warts and everything, when he's on, he's on, and he's tough to stop. And he was absolutely outstanding. In that game against st louis and hey yeah if he wants to do that for the next 60 plus jets fans will love that and the team will enjoy having a home playoff berth to <laughs> potentially start the playoffs so i i, I think i i've been f- for the most part outside of a couple hiccups here and there i think it's been about as optimistic of a start for for shifley to this season as anybody could have realistically hoped for and, and he's such a big part of this team
1: i mean you add in everything else and um, you know, there is a lot of legitimate optimism, uh, about the club. And I mean, they just, the way they're playing, this is as likable a team. I think like, it's funny talking to fans, fans that I know, friends of mine that have been pretty, um, you know, um, disgruntled over the last few years. Um, you know, those conversations are so different right now. And, um, he has been a big, big catalyst of, uh, of all of that. Uh, you mentioned about extensions, um, in your opinion, how important is an extension with Nito Niederreiter, um, and what makes sense for the Jets and Niederreiter? Where 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 does that end up in your mind, Brandon?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's a ten out of ten on the importance scale, but it's it's a move that I think once it gets done, if it gets done, once it gets done, everybody's going to be like, oh hell yeah, like let's get Nito in here for for three or four more years. I mean, he's He's a pro's pro. Like, I, I, every team could use a Nino neither. I mean, you want to talk about some of the clubs you were touching on with Murad at the end there. You don't think Edmonton could use a Nino right now? Oh. You don't think Toronto in place of uh, a, a Domi or whoever else there? They might play Toronto pick?
1: on the blue line. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: can't be worse than Klingberg, I'll tell you that. Um, I, I mean, he just does everything right. Like th- There's there's almost no negatives what nino brings outside of you'd like him to be three years younger but i mean he's capable of playing top six minutes he's more than capable of supercharging a third line and he brings intangibles and in spades especially to this club where you get a guy to come in and be like yeah let's let's stay here long term you know what i can eat maybe a half a mil on the cap per season if we can get somebody like that to stay with the club and be a mentor i mean you know, my brother brought this up. There's a lot of young Europeans on the roster and soon to be on the roster in the coming days. And to have a guy like Nino, who's obviously Swiss and delved through all that, like, it's he's Hell just bad. a great never, guy. never
1: a- even mind the Europeans. I mean, Colby Barlow, Rucker McGrory. I mean, that's a guy I want around them in the room every day, showing what it takes to be a professional, showing what you do, shift in and shift out. Like, well, those players... Maybe if they can hit their ceiling, you know, play at a higher level offensively, sure, great. But I, you'd have a hard time convincing me there's there's many better mentors of a guy with the intangibles of a guy that got traded here, had been around in a lot of spots, said, I really like it here. I love the organization. I love the team. I want to be here. I mean, there are he checks off so many boxes, yeah. both for the present and I think the next few years, knowing that, Towards the end of his contract, he's probably playing a lesser role, but at the same time can be, I think, integral in getting the most out of young players that are a huge part of the Jets' future.
0: Exactly, yeah. And and even his even his journey as a prospect slash player, I mean, like a, a former fifth overall pick didn't go well for him in, on, on the Islanders, and he had to kind of like battle, essentially battle his way back mm-hmm. from, from square one to become a, a legitimate, you know, high-end second line or low-end first line player, and and so I, I just think he's he's worth his weight in gold. You know, he's not gonna be. Is he, is he gonna put up eighty points? No. Is he gonna score thirty-five goals? No. But is he going to be a guy that helps this team win night in, night out, and can have his game transfer from the regular season to the playoffs? One hundred percent, yes. So I imagine the contract. I mean, I, I think it's a pretty easy contract negotiation, to be honest, Hus. I, I I don't know. I feel like this is going to be where both sides come together and go, you know what? Three to four years at around four and a half per season seems reasonable. I think both sides are going to be reasonable. I imagine it's going to be something like that, that gets it yeah. done here. And I, I just don't think anybody's going to be unhappy about however the Niederreiter contract extension hopefully plays out.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I could see, um, you know, being an issue and <clears throat> I have no reason to believe this. I've not heard this anywhere is if, you know, they're looking for massive term. I mean, that, that would yeah. be, I mean, at a certain point there are, there are schedules when it comes to players. And I'm not sure a fifth or a sixth year. Murat sort of mentioned that, but three to four just turned 31. Um, you know, I think would make a lot of sense for the Winnipeg jets. And he'd be, uh, as I said, a perfect guy to do a lot of things on the ice, but also off the ice. And Hey guys that score 20 in their sleep, uh, are important, especially <laughs> if they're doing it outside of the top six. Um, just who 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 was the GM when he got traded from Carolina to Minnesota? Wasn't it for Victor Rask? Yes. And didn't that end up kind of costing the whoever was in there before Waddell's his job in a lot of ways?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. It's, it's not all for Larson, but it's, <laughs> you, you, you can't, you can't have swings and misses like that. that too was,
1: well, and he was so popular in Carolina too. I mean, that was a a, a real sore spot, I think to, uh, to a lot of spots or no, excuse me. It was the other way around. I think it was from Minnesota to Carolina for Victor Rask and that was a big part of the demise of the Minnesota. I think I was mixing it up there. Anyway, let,
0: let, let alone the the Islanders to the to the Wild trade that I don't know if that was Gar Snow back then or whoever the the conduit between Snow was and, that for and Clutterbuck. Went. Yeah, which I, <laughs> I mean, that, maybe it wasn't so terrible, but yeah, obviously, hey, you know, he having became a great a legend there,
1: he's like a great Islander guy, and God knows they played that fourth line like uh, you know the Jets played the Lowry line, but anyways um hey listen obviously we've got this game tonight but uh I want to touch on two other things with you first of all <laughs> you mentioned the Leafs uh big win for the Sens last night that was a desperate team they gave up yeah. one early in the third period and I thought really showed a lot in uh, in coming back to win they're back to back tonight they're not that's a tough situation playing a very good Vancouver team um But that Leaf Blue line is an absolute train wreck. But nothing is a train wreck in the level of Edmonton right now with Campbell going to the minors. And um, I mean, I never thought that I would say this because even when they were losing a few games at the start of the year, I'm like, whatever, they'll be fine. I'm not so sure they're going to be fine now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) They should be. Uh, They should be, right? It's (laughs) almost like (laughs) it's like some kind of defense, like a survival mechanism, right, where you're like, it should be okay. Like your brain can't fully comprehend McDavid and Drysaddle being outside of the playoffs, but and and again, you're almost too like their goaltending shouldn't be 850 save percentage the rest of the way, right? But it also can. <laughs> like you know, it's that that's kind of the the bed you find yourself in when I know Skinner's had a, a good start to his NHL career, but. Oh, boy, that's, when you're talking about Stanley Cup hopes, that's a lot to, to pin your hopes on, and the same with with Campbell there. I, look, they, there's a number of issues there. Obviously, the blue line is a thing. Team defense is a thing. But I, from, from what I've seen so far this year, Huss, it is so, so utterly demoralizing to try to come back after your goalie gives up softy after softy. After softy, it it is just so it's one of those things that I, I I'm a big like analytics guy. I think it's hard for analytics to, to wrap their minds around just how how troubling it is for a team to see that puck go in on one. You know, your goalie should stop and then try. Then I think I, I almost just think it's like a cascading series of issues where when you get bad goaltending, a lot of these other negative things start to creep up into your game to try to overcome and make up for that. So. My my main thing, like I, I just again, I can't imagine they lose to San Jose here. But it's more so. How said long. said that you about vote. your
1: flyers on Tuesday. Yeah. Oh no, night. no, I,
0: I knew they were going to lose that. <laughs> that was not that was not the issue. That was that was guaranteed money in the bank. If you would have talked to me before that game, I'd be like, should have brought mortgage. you on the lock
1: shop on Tuesday. Oh, damn it!
0: Biggest lock of the century that, and and that Blackwood would have stopped like forty plus shots. Um. But I just wonder how long Edmonton can go down this path of not making a big move like I, I get hey don't make a move from a position of weakness but I would also argue don't make a move or you know f- fail to make a move and then watch dryside' last for a trade in a couple months time right like uh, your your window is so so right Stakes now, are so Rhett. high yeah right. like i I just i I can't imagine they try to push this tell. Never mind American Thanksgiving, right? But, like, you're going to wait till December <laughs> or January and you're 15 points out of a playoff spot by then? We'll see. We'll see, T- though.
1: T-Will in chat, breaking rumor, Bennington to the Oilers. And I did hear some of the guys in Edmonton talking or speculating a little bit on what that would look like. I mean, potentially giving up a first-round pick and an asset and Jack Campbell to the Blues for Bennington. God, they would be hilarious if they did that and then Bennington just was bad bennington <laughs> because bad bennington yeah, is right there with bad campbell and bad yeah. bad insert brutal goalie there he can't yeah, get on runs and but he's a complete psycho as well i mean i don't know what that happens i just I mean, like there's no easy fix right now for this team and it was hilarious that they sent jack campbell down i think they did it more for cap space and the ability to potentially make another move going forward but it was Skinner that it was in the last game. Like, he was not even playing oh, against the Canucks. Amazing, yeah.
0: Like, Campbell gets to call the <laughs> office. Like, what What did you want me to do last night? I wasn't the one that led in the sixth spot. But I don't know. I I, I really I, – I don't know how Edmonton gets themselves out of this because you look at the goalies that are available, right? Like Bennington, Binning, to me, I'm just – I'm not giving up assets to get somebody that's as up and down as, as, as Bennington's been over the past few years. Soros is the one that's like, okay, this – this is a game changer for us, but does Nashville want to make that trade right now? I, you know, with how they're playing, they they might want to kind of wait and see how this season plays out. But then you've got guys like, I mean, Gibson and Anaheim. He's been all over the place the past couple of years, you know. And and speaking of the Flyers, I, I you know, you have at Edmonton an Edmontonian and and Carter Hart, um, who's you know got the pedigree. Okay, what would that look like? What would
1: that look like? I mean, you know the Flyers really well. I, I, I'm because that would be uh, a move that I think would certainly make them better at that position. Um, I think based on where Philly is right now, it wouldn't be out of the question that they trade Carter Hart. Um, but what, like, what would it take to get him there?
0: A lot. <laughs> a lot, and and what's interesting too is that the Flyers are like they'd be okay with taking on Campbell. I mean, they already took on Cal Peterson, but I think they're okay with where they're at. Like, hey, give us Campbell, we'll deal with that issue later. Um, and then you're talking about, I mean, I would imagine Dylan Holloway, maybe Broberg, and a first round pick for all of that coming in. The Flyers could also send over, like, I mean, they've got for all their issues, they've they've got lots of quality depth pieces. And that's something Edmonton is craving sure. in a massive way. I I just think it it really like it it kind of it's that perfect marriage, right? Where you have you know from Philly's case, we've got the assets that you want, the ability to take on bad contracts back. Edmonton's desperate. They they just seem to match up so well that it makes all the sense in the world for Edmonton to pull the trigger on something like that. And they can kind of view it too as you know, hey, it's a move for right now. But if we think Carter Hart's the real deal. We got our goalie for the next 10 years. So I I think it makes a lot of sense, but I just, I I, I kind of get the sense that Kenny Holland's going to try to push this one as as long as possible and hope they can win at least two or three games in a row just to send them some kind of a lifeline for a couple of weeks.
1: He doesn't, there's not a lot of time right now. And, And as we had joked on the lock shop today, like, what if people are cashing San Jose money line bets tonight? Just just think about that for a minute. Um, hey, Brandon, before we go, I uh, cannot have you on the show two days before the big football game at IG Field. Getting your thoughts on the Bombers, the Lions, and uh, this big one Saturday night uh, on the South Side.
0: Yeah, so the Lions definitely scare me, which is why, and it's important to do this when you make picks, Huss, is I'm going to lean towards stereotypes and avoiding any statistical analysis, Mm -hmm. but I'm just going to say that dome team from the West coast coming in outdoors, nasty weather visiting matchup. I I think, I think the weather is going to be the bombers X factor in this one. Um, I think BC is awesome, but I, I do wonder how they're going to handle. I think their defense might actually be okay, but I wonder how the BC offense Handles the, uh, the the difficult playing conditions here, and and to me it, it just quite simply comes down to, and it's weird saying this for a guy that's won MOP and is in his thirties, but, but if Sacaleros could just avoid the turnovers and keep the ball in his hands, I I think the Bombers are going to be okay in this one. So I, I'm jacked, I'm excited. I, I I think them grabbing the home playoff date, similar to to the way the NFL seedings playing out right now. I, I just think it's so, so critical. It was so massive. And and to me, that was almost like the West final matchup a few weeks back when the Bombers found a way to pull that one out in BC. I think them having home, home field advantage makes all the difference in this one.
1: Yeah, uh, and you know what else makes a difference? That offensive line and that bulldozer they've got wearing yep. number 20 because um, that is made for playoff football in the middle of November. At Ig Field, bring it on! Cannot wait. Um, we're uh, counting down the hours at this point to uh, to the game. Uh, but before the game, um, I know there'll be a new skates and plates. Fill people in on uh, what you and uh, Tyson have cooking uh, tomorrow.
0: Yeah, just break it down: Jets, Preds tonight, and then the big one. I mean, that, that's a it's a wild Saturday. Very, <laughs> very rare to have the doubleheader. Um, and then, I mean, not only the doubleheader, but two beauty games, right? Like Jet Stars, Bombers, Lions is as good as it gets. Have so. you
1: planned a family uh, a family outing, not involving you? For 2 p.m. Yeah. to
0: about 8.30. Yeah, yeah. The family outing includes myself not being in the house. That's the only way the family outing the family, family be going
1: off. to grandma and grandpa's. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I might have to, to do the indoor double-hander on this one.
1: There's but. some negotiating going on, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, uh, we'll look forward to the new app of us skates and plates tomorrow. Thanks for doing this, pal. Great convo as always.
0: Beauty, have a good one. Have a great weekend. Go blue.
1: You got it. There's a Brandon Rowicki. Check out Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, yeah, speaking of uh, that Super Saturday, um, the only thing that could be better than two wins for the two home clubs is uh, well, it already is going to be better because we can get a Little Brown Jug at both the downtown arena and the football stadium. If you're at the game tonight or Saturday, make sure, if you haven't been to a game this year, check out the new Craft Beer Corners. Section 310 in the Upper Bowl, outside Section 126, where the old Moxies was down uh, downstairs. And 1919 and generic lager, both available. And uh, hey, if you want to get the great taste of 1919 to warm you up during the Bomber game, you'll find it at the Poutinery locations and the hometown concession stands. But for those of you that are tailgating uh might i direct you to uh, your local beer store or little brown jug i was just in uh, my local the other day and grabbed a, a great deal right now eight packs of generic lager which is my personal favorite 1999 cannot beat that anywhere so uh great prices great beer great people shout out to little brown jug and uh, yeah enjoy one tonight if you're at the game um and hey speaking of great people uh, they don't come any better than our pals, Nick and Nikki, for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know that they've had the uh, DQ locations, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and of course the DQ in Niverville, which continues to grow. And as the city grows, so does Nick and Nikki, because they've also added a new pita pit to the operation. And uh, it's doing great out there in Niverville. If you're around there, check it out a healthy, fresh, delicious, fast. Pita Pit is so good, and uh, they also do great catering. So if you've got catering needs, school lunches, birthday parties, or more, they'd love to help you out. You can send them an email at niverville at mb.com And uh, maybe the easiest way is just to fire them a message on Instagram or Twitter at Pita Pit Niverville. Big shout-out to Nick and Nikki for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Good stuff with the fellas today, Remo. I'm fired up for tonight. I'm fired up for Sunday. For Saturday, it's uh, it's gonna be a real fun few, a real fun few days. And if things go our way, could make for an absolutely amazing week on
2: Winnipeg Sports Talk next week. Fingers crossed uh, that it works out that way. Uh, great to see so many people here, and it's kind of funny a lot of people expressing. I've never had so much excitement for a game between two bottom feeder teams, and that is after the Jets game <laughs> tonight. I mean, we're all pumped. We're all pumped for Jets stars. there's like eleven games, a lot of games. The NFL Thursday Nighter is like terrible. Uh, as I even... said,
1: it's the N- it's the NFL's version of Oilers Sharks.
2: Yeah, but but not as not the intrigue, not the intrigue. So uh, I think the Oilers should smash them, but. I don't know. You never know. I mean, the Oilers goaltending, they could let in some softies, and the Sharks goalie could stand on his head. It's never a lock. Nothing's ever a lock. So hopefully Edmonton loses.
1: (laughs) That's why they play the games. Oh, that would be unbelievable. And and if that is the case, make sure to go to Edmonton Sports Talk after the game and just kick back. Watch Gazzola and Cassian try and make sense of what has happened. Read the comments and enjoy yourself uh the uh, the entertainment level is high you know what I, tomorrow um I, I know we're kind of really focused in on Saturday but a huge football game tomorrow I've been meaning to do this for a couple of days but uh the high school football championship is tomorrow uh, I believe it's six o'clock at IG field and I gotta give a big congratulations to the Dakota team and the Grant Park Pirates who are playing for the championship Grant Park upsetting, previously undefeated St. Paul's, who seems to be in the big game each and every year. Um, So, uh, two clubs that I don't think have won before going at it for the 4A championship tomorrow. So, uh, listen, if you want to get some great local sports action, I think I'm going to head out for that game tomorrow after we finish up. Maybe have a little brown jug or two before and uh, go meet some friends down at the game. So uh, congratulations to both Dakota and Grant Park for making it to the big game tomorrow. May the best team win. Um, Listen, Reeve, before we get to Cool Bet Lines, um, you know, I know we've talked a lot about just everything going on around the Jets today, but uh, Nino is playing against his old team tonight. We did hear from Scott O'Neill. Um, what don't we quickly, just before we wrap up the show with the lines head to the Jet dressing room from earlier today. I know you cut a few clips. And, um, you know, this is an interesting game for Nito playing against the team that um, saw him as expendable, going in a different direction at the end of this year. Lots of talk about a potential Nito Rider extension. Uh, but Nito Niederreiter was asked about uh, his thoughts on the visitors, his former team, going into tonight.
5: Yeah, I mean, they're a, a young team, very fast. And I think they added some uh, smart plays with O'Reilly and Nyquist. And uh, I think that, I mean, they're a good team. I mean, they play super fast. I know Bruno pretty well as a coach. And I know the type of game he likes to coach. And, I mean, they're, we're going to expect a very fast, open-minded team and uh, doesn't mind to take chances.
1: All right, so there's Nino on the club. Um, and then uh, Rennie. Asked Nino just about the uh, the good vibes that he's feeling right now. Hat trick on Saturday and just um, domination. Um, shift after shift for uh, he, Mason Appleton, along with the captain in the middle.
3: Nino, to start the year, you were getting all kinds of chances and they weren't
4: going in. Clearly, they're going in now. Do you think getting on the line with Adam has unlocked something in your game? Or do you think this is kind of how you've been playing all year and just the balances are going your way?
5: I mean, it's a little both. I mean, obviously, when pucks go in, things go easy. It doesn't matter what line you're on. And then you obviously second-guess yourself. You change a few things. And obviously, with, with going on with uh, Lowry and Nappy, I think we, we knew we had to play a straight-line game. And I think that's what uh, feeds my game off very well as well. And I just go to the net and we're likely to get some pucks in.
4: I'm interested in your take on this. So when we watch these games, when the other team has momentum, quite often your line goes out there and kind of slams that momentum and pushes it in your direction. How do you guys do that? Is that
3: a mindset kind of thing that you head out beforehand and it's a real goal to turn things around?
5: Yeah, I mean, we know we got to be that line who plays the, the system to a T and make sure we, uh, we do the little things right and hopefully the other guy's going to follow. And I think that's what's been uh, going very well lately. And I think that's something which we, we knew we were supposed to do. Also, and uh, I think that's a uh, part of the coaching staff, what the, what is, they want us to do, and hopefully the other guy's going to follow. And, and if you look at last game, I mean, Scheib's line was outstanding, and uh, we just tried to do whatever we can to be successful.
1: All right, so there's Nino Niederreiter. <laughs> How good are Swiss
2: accents, Reem? Yeah, I could, listen,
1: I could listen to him all day. I mean, to me, it's right up there with the Aussies. <laughs>
2: I mean, Nino is well-spoken guy. He's got good thoughts on uh, how they're playing. So, yeah, I could listen to Nino speak uh, for all He's hey, He seems to like it here. And, you know, fingers crossed that, what, we heard his agent is in town. There's a meeting going on. That's what Scott Billick reported and talked about on here yesterday. So, they will be hearing another uh, press conference from Nino in the near future. We will well, have to wait and see. listen,
1: maybe we'll be hearing Disco Inferno tonight at the game. And, uh, you know what, I, I think we may have to look and see what a Nino goal would be tonight. Uh, timing is everything, uh, and we'll do that in a minute. But let's hear a little bit from the coach. Um, Scott Arneal, interim head coach, spoke after the morning skate today, and um, uh, he uh, talked about the PP getting going on the second half of this road trip.
6: I mean, there's a few things that we we had talked about, uh, you know, that Lau had introduced. But um you know our power play was big on this road trip scored some big goals some timely goals uh but i do think that movement was one area that he had talked about but also was uh, getting pucks in the net everybody being a threat to shoot the puck um, you know i've talked about a little bit in the past here about the the shot creates the the scramble and creates the chaos for the penalty killers and i thought we've done a really good job of that that whether it's uh, Morsey or Pionk firing them from the top or, you know, I mean, if it's coming off the flanks, just getting it in there. And, and then the other thing for us has been our puck retrievals, our puck battles. We've done a real good job of uh, when it did get turned over or if it was in the corner or off a faceoff, We've done a real good job of getting it back.
1: All right, there's a little bit of Arnie on the power play. Uh, Arnie also was asked about uh, just being at home, kicking off a big five-game r- uh, homestand after finishing up on the road
6: i just look at it that there isn't a roadway or a home way to play just the right way i know it's an old thing I heard it in football one time and it's been in hockey but we have a style of play that we want to play and i don't care if we're coming off a long trip or a one day trip or whether we're going out on the road for our first game we we have a style of play that we need to to be at and um you know it has to be at that level um you know at the right from the start and whatever nashville tries to throw us we got to be ready for that and Yeah, hopefully we're better than they are.
1: And, uh, you know, Arnie really speaking to the expectations and the
6: standard that the team has, um,
1: you know, established and, you know, uh, you need to do that night in and night out to win in the National Hockey League. Um, Part of that style of play that Arneel just spoke to was the speed that the Winnipeg Jets have played with this year. Now that we've got this NHL edge data, we found that the Jets have been playing as one of the fastest teams and some of their players have been the fastest guys in the league. Um, Arneil just you discussed playing with speed and and obviously the results that this edge data has said about the Winnipeg jets
6: uh the one area is about you know playing fast with like when we we get the park it's not holding on to it's not one-on-one we're trying to we're trying to get from our end of the rink the other end of the rink as fast as possible um I, we talk about our pursuit when we don't have it it's not just sitting back and giving teams space we try to close as quick as possible whether that's on the forecheck, check maybe that might be in the neutral zone but uh, certainly it needs to be in our d zone so i'd like to think that we're on the move maybe it helps that category i've never looked at it in that sense but uh I, I think playing fast when you get the puck and you know and being aggressive and attacking teams when you don't have it probably helps that a little bit
4: I guess that the kind of fast you care about is more the decision making <laughs> and the reads you guys make right
6: yeah it does it uh, certainly does i mean you can't just run around and just sk- skating anywhere i mean well, there has to be certainly some um you know some discipline to your systems and what you're trying to do but i just think I, the probably the area for me is how how much quicker we've been when we create a turnover whether it's good neutral zone forecheck check or whether it's good d zone coverage how quickly we get out of our end and when we do that that puts other teams on their heels that makes good players back check that makes good players defend. And that's what we try to do each night.
1: All right. And one more from Scott or and obviously we talked about this with Marat a little earlier and got into it yesterday. Um, you know, the support for Neil Pionk, the way the uh, the team backed the players had them out in Minnesota after the Adam Johnson tragedy. Uh, but Scott Arneal just, you know, we'll finish off with, you know, him just speaking about the team, you know, really coming together, um, in the aftermath of the Adam Johnson tragedy that affected some Winnipeg Jets so significantly,
6: certainly when we first found out, and it talked about you know our family being tight, and our and the teammates being there for them. Um, you know, I think the playing the games is where that all came about, where those guys were there to support them and. For those guys, too, to go out on the ice and not think about that, they had to think about their job, they had to think about, you know, what they had to do to have success as a hockey player. It allowed them to kind of free up their minds a little bit and just play, and I think both of them were, um, they, they were outstanding. One, Neil, I think, had a fantastic road trip, and, you know, obviously he's, it was real, you know, for all of them it's a tough situation, but I just thought that uh, for them to get to the rink and being able to share with their buddies and their teammates and be there and know that they have that support with them every day and every moment, It made it easier for the games.
1: Started off at six. Bruins, a minus 139 favorite. Red Wings, a minus 175 favorite at home against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, The Rangers starting Louis Domingue tonight. Just a slight favorite against the Wild. They've won seven of eight or eight of nine. Their one loss was to the Minnesota Wild. Should be an interesting one tonight. And uh, We talked about the Sens with that big win. Massive three goals in the third period after the Leafs tied it up. Uh, but they're right back at it tonight at home against the Vancouver Canucks, who've been one of the great stories early on in this season. Vancouver, a slight favorite on the road, minus 116. Ottawa, basically even money at minus 101. The uh, Lightning are a big 229, minus 229 minus two twenty nine, favorite against the Blackhawks. The Dallas Stars are minus 231 favorites in bus against the Jackets. Um, are nearly a pick between the Coyotes and Blues. Blues minus 112, Coyotes minus 105. We'll get back to the Jets in a minute, but the other games tonight, Kraken and Avalanche, the Avs minus 199, uh, the Kings after that big win last night. I hope you rode with me on that one against the Vegas Golden Knights, winning 4-1 in regulation. They're right back at it at home. They're minus 127. I, I Penguins... Penguins are very live tonight, in my opinion. I'm not sure what they'll get on the card, but Penguins at plus 109. They're a very desperate team. LA has been rolling, but, um, well, first game back after a road trip with no rest in between. We'll see what that does to uh, to the Kings. And then the grand finale tonight, you know, saving the best for last. The Edmonton Oilers, minus 352 road favorites in san jose against the sharks the sharks plus 285 underdogs oilers on the puck line of to win by two is minus 143 and to win by three is plus 122. now let's just head over to the exclusives well actually first of all let's get to the uh the the football game the panthers are now four point underdogs against the bears um, it, somebody's got to win in this game I think I'm going to put a little sprinkle on the Panthers well actually I am um, but our favorite bet as always especially with two brutal teams like this is over three and a half field goals at plus 110 you can get that in the kicking option underneath the game uh, but it brings us to the exclusives and today in the lock shop here's what we cooked up we got a wild one Uh, for the uh, partner parlay. We've included our field goal prop in it. So over three and a half field goals. And the two reliable receivers for these young quarterbacks, Cole Komet, five or more receptions. Adam Thielen, seven or more receptions, along with the three and a half field goals. That one is paying plus 125, plus 1025, excuse me. Uh, Our partner parlay for tonight, myself and Dusty, we put this one together. We like the Rangers over, Vancouver, uh, Rangers over Minnesota, Vancouver over the Sens, and the Stars to beat the Blue Jackets in regulation. That one is up at plus 525. Patty's got a primetime parlay as well. And we were joking at what what will there be more of tonight? Field goals in the Bears-Panthers game or Sharks goals versus the Oilers? <laughs> Uh, and the head-to-head special on that is minus 270 for the field goals and plus 215 for San Jose Sharks goals against the Oilers. But uh, the one thing that I've added to my card while we've done this uh, this exercise of going through the lines today, Reem, is a Nito Niederreiter goal. Plus 285 tonight against his old team, the Nashville Predators. Uh we had we had Shifley last game. I probably should have put together a Jets Nino parlay, but uh I guess you can do that on your own if you want to use the bet builder. But what do you think about Nino getting on the uh, scoreboard, the fans dancing to Disco Inferno, and uh <laughs> N- and Ryder catching a ticket for anyone that jumps on him at plus 285.
2: Yeah, I mean that line has certainly uh certainly been pretty good. They've outplayed, you know, they had a bit of an off night uh, the other night, in terms of scoring goals, so maybe you know it's one off, one on, and uh, the Shively line stepped up last game. Uh, does the does the rider line step up, or is it the Ehlers line? So you know, plus two eighty five, that's pretty low. That's below, you know, below Ehlers, below Connor. You know, how about Perfetti plus three four? He's not much of a, a scorer, but sure, Niederreiter two eighty five. I'm in for that. He's hot right now. That's uh, where we'll do it. Anyways, it's all available at Cool Bad
1: If you want to uh, enjoy or uh, play with us on uh, some of our fun exclusives, we've been hot lately. We cashed the Winnipeg Sports Talk Parlay and the Lock Shop Parlay on Tuesday. We didn't do one yesterday, waiting for a big night tonight, so it's all there for you. And if you haven't played at Cool Bet before, use the promo code WST for a uh, 100% deposit up to 200 bucks. Uh, I know we've had a couple like why not questions of the day in the, uh, in the uh, interviews we've done today. Um, but here's the why not question of the day today. Do the Oilers win tonight? Do they break this losing streak at the expense of the Sharks? And do they do it by two goals or more? Let us know in the chat. I did see T. Will at, uh, say in advance, hear me now, quote me later, bet, bet, the Sharks. A lot of people saying, oh, SK is actually betting BA Splits House on Edmonton winning tonight. Uh, I am fascinated about this game. I don't think there's any doubt about that, Remo, but I don't have the stones to bet the Sharks tonight. But if one of you do, let us know for the why not
2: question of the day for Not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGillivray. No, but I'm certainly fascinated. I'm not betting the Sharks, but uh, I hope they win. I think that'll be way more fun. I had a great time tuning in to the uh, post-game show. The other day, so I can only imagine what it would be if they lose. Like, that's the front. You're going to TSN now. Like, one of the front page on their website was like, just the hypothetical. Like, what, what if they lose? It's just so much fun to talk about. Like, what if they lose? That would be so damaging. That's this is the front page because it's just, it's just fun to speculate <laughs> on the misery that would be there. They're already freaking out. And what, uh, so, they, like, what they if they haven't win
1: drop the puck yet
2: <laughs> yeah like what if they win by like only a goal and like barely squeak it out I mean that'll be pretty bad too like how many are you gonna give up the San Jose I mean San Jose got they give up 10 goals uh, two games in a row last week they're not good no so. <laughs> oh
1: comet shark six five in a thriller <laughs> that would be amazing uh and Curtis Perkins I'm with you the only team that matters in the NHL is the Jets And we'll be focusing in on the Jets 7 o'clock tonight down at Canada Life Centre. Great show today. Thanks to Bombing for jumping on. Uh, Great to talk to him about this upcoming game. Don't forget to check out the Bonfire Sports pregame show with Chris Walby coming up on uh, YouTube. And uh, tomorrow, we'll obviously be talking Jets. Weeb's world himself, Ken Weeb's, going to jump on. We'll kind of wrap tonight's game and uh, look ahead to the first half of the epic Saturday doubleheader here in Winnipeg. Um, We'll have Hacksaw jump on for the NFL notebook, Uh, but Ed Tate will join us from IG Field with a game preview, and we'll also talk to our pal Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun. So a lot of bomber talk and a lot of Jets talk tomorrow to get you ready for Super Saturday here in the Peg. Jets stars at 2, West Final at 5.30, and probably a lot of recuperation for Winnipeg sports fans on Sunday. Very glad that these games are on Saturday and not Sunday. Um, that is gonna do it for us, everybody. Uh, we'll be at the game tonight. Say hi if you uh if you see me, would lo- always love chatting with Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners and viewers at the game. Upper bowl tonight, shout out section 316. And uh, you know, geez, what we're three weeks away from today, I believe. We are uh, back in 316 as a group for, uh, guess who, the Edmonton Oilers. Won't that be something? Uh, but listen, tonight, big Central Division matchup, Jets and Preds. Still tickets available if you want to make it out. Check out that Thursday, Thursday deal that the Winnipeg Jets have. And uh, most importantly, join us tomorrow at 1 p.m. For the latest on the Jets and our final show before the West Final, Bombers and Lions with a trip to the Grey Cup on the line. Thanks again to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Shout out to a great crew in chat today. And thanks to all the podcast listeners as well. Have a great night. Enjoy all the action, even the Bears-Panthers game. And we'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. to get ready for Super Saturday in the Peg on Winnipeg Sports Talk.
0: Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down!